the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. It's been a long time since we've been here. It, it's it been has. way back last year. God, that sounds like so long ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. I'm Vader with Palladio Memphis. Yes, she is, and I'm Kenneth with Danwest Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, the other one. The other one. I'm retired, and then I sit in my chair, and uh, I talk to people on our Facebook group, mm-hmm. Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zones 6, 7, and 8. You know, I thought just for a second he was going to say, I'm sitting there talking to myself. Well, oh, I, I yeah, do right, that because right. most of the time I'm the only one who will give me the answer I want to hear. <laughs> but good morning, everyone, and uh, hope everybody had a, you know, I'm going to say this for the last time this year, Merry Christmas, because we hadn't yeah, seen each yeah. other since then, and, and, and a Happy New Year. New year. Right, right. It's the last time I'll say that until this time next year, right? Right. right. Well, um, I'm glad that I didn't go to Florida for Christmas because... I wanted to. I I liked experiencing the snow and the really cold Flying weather. Flying would have been a booger, though. Wouldn't it? No, it would have. Because I would have been so cold. My arms would have been tired. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> Been a booger on Southwest. I know that. Good Lord. Oh, thank goodness I didn't do that one. Oh, my word. But Well, um, I do have a resolu- uh, New Year's resolution this year. And, and I know it's crazy. And I know it's, you know, benign. But my New Year's resolution is, and, and forever in a day, I, I, I told y'all I didn't really care about the moles in my backyard, mm-hmm. okay? My New Year's resolution is that I'm going to get rid of those moles in my backyard. You know, I always said I didn't mind them in the backyard because I didn't want them in the front and side yards, okay? As long as they're not in the front and side yards, I was mm-hmm. fine. Right. That's kind of how I feel. Well, these things have set up shop, and I mean... I can't walk from point A to point B without sinking up to my neck. Even so, after the freeze, so they haven't left. Oh, look, they're, they're out there. I'm Worms are right at the surface. You know, yesterday, my wife and I spent three or four hours working in the garden trying to clean it up from just dead tissue mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And worms are right near the surface. I well, mean, there's... They're, they're know, liking this warmer this, weather. This ground temperature is warm. And, and the, and the <laughs> moles are going to be where the worms are, and that's right near mm-hmm. the surface. And I'm telling you guys, I'm got, I'm at, I mean, I'm one of those old grouchy people. I've gotten to that point where I'm like, there's going to be changes in this backyard when it comes to these dang moles. And I was, everybody just stay tuned. I'll, I'm going to come up with new um, ways to get rid of them. Right. I'll let you know what works and what doesn't work. I'll also let you know if I still have a backyard two months from right. now. Okay. So we'll see. I'm and telling you. This could you. be the opportunity for you to well, create something and become rich. Yeah. If, if you want to be grouchy, you've come to the right place. <laughs> I'll be happy to tutor you. <laughs> I have I have a couple of New Year's resolutions. First one is to be able to make another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and, first and I foremost. Like yeah. And as you know, this year's been kind of tough on me health wise. You know, the cancer diagnosis and the and the uh, uh, the radiation treatments, and then here in the last month or so my my blood sugar and my my uh, blood pressure have been running you know neck and neck trying to see who can get higher so <laughs> it's been right around christmas it was you know different i was at the doctor's a couple of times so but anyway you know i'm thinking christmas eve you know there was no party everybody was doing something else so carol and i were just at the house and there's all this you know good food that yeah. i like that's not good for me exactly and i thought you know well it's new year's tomorrow's a new day New uh, Year, yeah, you know, year. I We're can end this year. Start over. Let's get this yeah. stuff, eat it, get it out of the way, and then we won't have to deal with it. 
<laughs> I okay. ate it and get it yeah. out of the way, right? So That's you're what up, you do, yeah. you know, I'm up till two o'clock in the morning <laughs> celebrating, you eating know, and having eating. more than I should adult beverages, <laughs> right. you know, which are really bad on your blood sugar. <laughs> at 8.31 on New Year's Day. Now, who calls you at 8.31 on New Year's Day? Everybody should be here. Right, right. My doctor's office, Dr. Munn, on New Year's Day. Uh-huh. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's, and not, I'm the, that's thinking, not the phone call you right. want. I know. I, you know. I mean, you talk about a wake-up call. <laughs> yeah, that, that is one. But I'm thinking, Blues Brothers, I got a message from God here. <laughs> you know, I got to start doing better now. Well, unless he called you with good news, Jim. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There was nobody on the phone. Oh. He, there was no voicemail. Mm-hmm. And now the met the. The call record has disappeared. Uh oh. Yeah, that's a sign. Wow. I mean, Interesting. Yeah, I wanted to pull the call record up just to show it to mm-hmm. somebody the other day, and the call record is no gone. Way. I bet you Jim hadn't had a sweet Pop Tart, you know, since yeah, then. What I do you think? Well, that may not be quite true. That's but. good because I don't want you double grumpy because yeah. you know how grumpy you get when you have to when you stop. I mean, the how, sugar. But thank you very much, Beta. <laughs> You're welcome, Jim. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, think about that though. I mean, to have that call New Year's Day oh. from the doctor's office. No, that's not the one I want. No, and then the fact that you don't even have a call record. Yeah, there's no call record. And, you know, and sometimes they do have those automated things that call you and, and tell mm-hmm. you about upcoming appointments yeah. and your or your prescriptions yeah. been sent in or something. But there was no Nothing. message. Well, oh. if, y'all, if anybody comes up with a, a surefire way to get rid of moles, just shoot me a text because... You know, we all know about the repellents, and we know about the the baits, and we know about the um, the traps. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, of course, the, you know, you know, there's a, a customer that comes into the garden center. She's been coming in for the last hundred years, and she said, "If you really want to get rid of them, just get yourself an old mean cat." You know, mm-hmm. and maybe that's I'm gonna get a cat and stake that thing out there. Well, we had a years ago had a little shizu. Had a little Shizu that was the, one of the best mole dogs I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But the worst thing about having a good mole dog is the fact that you've got a good mole dog because <laughs> your backyard looks like a battleground. I mean, <laughs> where there are holes everywhere. Good Jim, point. You good can't point. walk, you trip. Now, you think about stepping and tripping in mole runs now. Where do you get a dog? Yeah, but I'm almost <laughs> to that point, you know. Golly. Well, let's go to uh, David from North Mississippi. No, that would be North Memphis. Good yes. morning, David. Good morning. Happy New Year, guys. Hey, David. Hey, How in happy the world New are you? Year, David. Good morning to you, buddy. Man, I, I'm just glad to limp into the new year. I don't care how I got here. Limping <laughs> uh, on a stretcher as long as I can see and live and breathe. I'm good. Yeah. Isn't that the dang truth? I hear you. <laughs> but, uh, Jim? Yes, sir. Um, I remember when I went to the doctor and the nurse, whoever took my blood pressure, said that, uh, sir, your blood pressure is high. I think you have high blood pressure. I said, I think that's something wrong with your machine. And I swear (laughs) she laughed at me right there. She didn't even wait to laugh at me. The last time I took my machine with me because I had that very same question. You know, when I'm getting readings up there around Mm -hmm. 200 over 120, I'm kind of curious, is this thing really right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, (laughs) the dang thing was. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it was right. Right, for me too. And uh, they they recently told me that I'm pre-diabetic. And I swear, gang, I think the cardboard tastes better than what I'm eating now. No kidding. I've had just eat the packaging. I've been fighting diabetes for over 10 years, you know. 
and oh, wow. uh, and everything you know I, I do insulin twice a day everything that i like yeah. is not good for me yeah and so i kind of yeah. have this thing you know yeah. if, if i'm going to live long and eat stuff that i don't like i don't want to live that long <laughs> you know <laughs> If this pop tart <laughs> takes twenty seconds off my life, then I'm okay with that. <laughs> you hear that, don't you, David? You hear him? You see the yeah. way he thinks? Yeah. Now, when yeah. the other yeah. day when oh, I put look, I, I put six pop tarts on a plate, Carol thinks I'm really trying to shorten my life. <laughs> wait till well, she well, brings let, let you a pa- wait till she brings you a plate of pop tarts. Yeah, and then then you worry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, for the well, I've taken. Uh, white flour, I've thrown that out. I've thrown out white sugar. But for the first time, I have I had um, salmon croquette with oh, yeah. coconut flour mm. um, and flaxseed. And guess what? It didn't taste bad. No, that's so, some good stuff. See, that actually I'm sounds pretty now. good. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing, David, is just taking the first mm-hmm. step. You know, you know, just trying to shed all the things that we're so used to. You know, I mean, yeah. does it doesn't mean that we uh, can't, you know, if we want to stay healthy anyway, you know, do things that are different. And surely, I think more than anything, what we eat is what we are, honestly. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. true. And I, and I do feel better when I eat right, but boy, I sure do miss Popeyes, I got to tell you. See, there you go. And that's the truth. And I ain't talking about the sailor either. <laughs> you have to have a cheat day every once in a while. You just yeah. have to have a yeah. cheat day. But Dave, what about my uh, New Year's resolution that I'm going to rid my back? backyard one way or the other and i might get the police well, called on me to get rid of these moles well look look i'm not following you in your new year's resolution they can hide the freaking backyard over here <laughs> i swear to god the only thing i want for the moles this year is hey can you at least send me a a, a, a secret santa gift or something <laughs> hell you, you live here you <laughs> Well, Dave, and I promise you, I felt that way until now. I really did. But it got to a point where, you know, if they were in my backyard, I could care less. But I mean, I mean, I think I've got every mole in Memphis in my backyard, you know. So I'll keep everybody informed on... on it's good to know they stayed there when That'd I left them. That'd be great. <laughs> you hear these guys, yes. David? Yeah. Yes. Well, one thing one thing that I continue to do for the front, because I've had to spray uh, again, they, they've come back. Um, but not, not that bad, but yeah. I just continue to push down the mold. And they, they work harder. And... I think that kind of slows them down a bit for the for the curb appeal, and then that's okay. I mean, it just is what it is. This is now four years, so yeah, that's you know, yeah, going on five. And I tell people all the time, you know, we're trying to get rid of a varmint, honestly, that lives underground, and it's just one of the hardest yeah. things to do. And there's absolutely yeah. nothing on the market that is one hundred percent effective. Oh, every time you use it, so you know, I'm all, no. I've recommended David forever. For people to do different things, whether you're using the castor oil as the repellent, whether you're using the poison worms, you know, as the baits, I always tell people do more than one thing. Well, I'm going to come up with some new. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to do all of that plus some. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to listening to that. I, I do have one extra question, guys. Um, I forgot to spray for weeds um, this fall. So when when is the nearest uh, what I should spray? Um, for um, the spring. Are you doing a pre-emerge or are you doing post-emerge? Are you trying to kill what's already uh, there? Uh, let me think. 
I do have a little. I do have a little, a, a bit of weeds now. Actually, yeah, yeah, I do. You should see some chickweed, some annual bluegrass. Um, those the the sprays really work best above forty five degrees or so. It has to be know? above forty five. Yeah, right. like image things like that. Now I'll tell you, I did spray a bunch of. Uh, I had a huge patch of chickweed yesterday. I sprayed with Roundup just to see how we're going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's yeah. Want to get your daytime temperatures just well, you know, tad warmer. I mean, how much warmer can you get? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so I personally, I'd go ahead and spray them. Yeah, as long as it's not going to rain for at least 24 hours, David, and like uh, uh, Jim was just saying, as long as the temperatures are above 45 and below 90, anywhere in that range, and it's not going to rain for 24 hours, uh, you can get away with spraying those weeds. Yeah, well, it won't happen today because it's raining here now. Oh, no, no. Can't do it today. No, sir. Yeah. Another reason to take Saturday off. a, 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 A successful... And prosperous New York New Year. I enjoy listening to you guys every Saturday morning, even though sometimes I don't wake up until nine. But <laughs> <laughs> see, now that's when you enjoy us the best. Is that right, right. <laughs> David, hey buddy, back at you, man. It's always been a pleasure talking to you. Happy New Year to you. And if we can ever do anything in the world for you, let us know. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks Have for the call, David. Yeah, you know, chickweed, you can make salad out. Jim, you, Jim, you're changing your, your uh, eating habits. I know. There, you was, just got, there was enough there. I could have made a, a good pesto with it. You know, I, as much as I understand that could be delicious, it, it seems like I would feel better if I harvest it from a garden instead of harvesting it from my yard, you yeah. know. And I mean, you can put some You keep onions. remembering that slug that went across it last night. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. did, did you get all of his uh, left behinds off, you know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the way I see good. all that, I think it's good to know that we could eat weeds mm-hmm. if we absolutely had to, but we're not at that point where we have to, right? Thank heavens. Right. Yeah. Not yet. I know. I know. But sometimes it feels like you are when you're eating some of this healthy food. <laughs> you do we feel. Know. But it's so amazing. long as you just don't tell me what's in it, yeah. then I'm good to go. And let's take a break, and we'll be right back. 260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be here with you this morning. We tried to be with you on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, but it didn't work out. We didn't abandon you, but Everybody here you. at the station want to take the day off, you know, and of course, you know, all of us are in the lawn and garden business. There are no day off. Right. So we ever. weren't even thinking. I mean, even when you're not at work, you're thinking about what you should have done at work. <laughs> right. You know? or, but because it's fun, too. Right. Or is that stuff covered well enough? Is right. It protection? Is it going to get too cold tonight? Do I need to go in and water? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, where did I put the creeping fig? Did I put it in the middle or is it next to the greenhouse wall? If it's next to the greenhouse wall, it's gone. But if it's in the middle, yeah, maybe. Maybe to make it. Yeah. If you want to give uh, us a call this morning, guys, 260-5926. Had, 260-5926. I had my little nursery out on Summer Avenue. Uh, I met a guy who was like the head of the parts and repair thing at that old Ford dealership that mm-hmm. used to be on Summer. I know exactly what you're talking right. about, Jim, years ago. Uh, and he would come by, drive by the nursery on the way there, and at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm out there with a water hose. Yeah. So he got in the habit of bringing me coffee. Oh. I'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We ended up being good friends. I love that. <laughs> 5 o'clock in the morning, you got to get it done when you can get it done, right. correct? It's cool, and there's, you know. 
No customers bothering you. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. Well, no, that a, sounded wrong. I was like, I no know. kidding. That's how it sounds. But it's but. how it sounds. But you know, you do you know you do like your time with your coffee yeah. and your plants I mean, and getting all settled and everything. Midday, you know, when you got customers in there, you don't want to be water and splashing water on them and mm-hmm. pulling hoses and tripping them. So you know, early oh. in the morning like that is, or late at night is the best time to be doing. Man, I water. I sprayed this lady one time at the garden center. Was it Stringer? Poplar Point, at, you know, years ago, and we had the tall racks down the middle of the aisle. So I'm on one side watering, and I'm trying to get up high to get the hanging baskets. And I just hmm. happen to overspray and get this lady, um, older lady, that you know how they get their hair mm-hmm. done so perfect. Yeah, I got her. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yours. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but she was very forgiving, and she goes, don't worry, honey, I'm a gardener, too. <laughs> but sometimes that doesn't work out that way. So that's why you try to get all your watering done. And, you know, that makes me think of talking about watering is, okay, I've got all these evergreens sitting outside, and when did it rain last week? Really good, real mm-hmm. hard. And these are all evergreens and containers, and we brought them out after the, the freeze and all. And it's been a week, and they're still really nice and wet. Mm-hmm. But in the summer, I would have already watered them oh, a couple more times since twice then. Twice yeah. every day, twice yeah, every yeah. day. So yeah. I mean, such a huge difference in our in our weather, and I think that's where people have a hard time understanding the whole watering situation. Yeah. Because I'm telling the guys, oh, it's been five days, y'all need to go water, and Victor's like, no, and I check, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. But in the summer, we'd have to water two times a day. And the same thing with houseplants. I mean invariably people overwater their houseplants. I've talked to quite a few people even this week, you know, where they have the uh, spathophyllium, the peace mm-hmm. lily, whatever, and other houseplants where the tips are burning on them. Mm-hmm. And then you get to talking to them, you know, have you used this kind of fertilizer? How much have you been watering? And typically it comes down to a water issue. Mm-hmm. Too much water, not enough water. Of course, the end result is the same when it comes to that, that tip burn, Okay. But if you dig in a little deeper, you generally find out they're either trying to grow these houseplants in a pot in a pot that has no drainage, mm-hmm. okay? And they're not ever taking the pot that drains out of the pot that doesn't mm-hmm. drain. They're watering, you know, religiously every five days, doesn't matter, just, yeah. just because it's five days later. And I always caution them, yes, you do want to keep houseplants moist, but most of them are not geared to stay wet. And if I'm ever going to err on the side of either slightly dry or excessively moist, I'm going to go ex- slightly dry mm-hmm. when it comes to these houseplants. I'm telling you, exactly. everybody is overwatering their houseplants. Now, having said this, I don't want people to go out there and never water their houseplants, okay? You have to do it. But I'm telling you guys, it, it's just one of those things where I don't know why we think when we get that water jug mm-hmm. in our hand that we're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. It, there's more variables inside, I feel, oh, I agree. than outside. We had a question this week on the group here uh, that the lady ha- has a number of houseplants, but one piece lily had a strong ammonia smell coming from the soil. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know what's doing this. I took it. She took it out, washed all the soil off of it, yeah. and replanted it. And she did the right thing because that ammonia yeah. smell is from poor drainage. What's happening, you're getting anaerobic bacteria growing in your soil, and that's what's giving you the ammonia smell. That what we call sour soil. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So you want to, you know, if you're doing that, first thing, of course, and, and Kenneth hit on one spot on a minute ago, a lot of people take a plant, set it inside a decorative pot, mm-hmm. and they never think about taking it out. Mm-hmm. 
pouring off any excess mm-hmm. water that's in there. Um, so you want to make sure that that thing drains thoroughly and it doesn't mm-hmm. sit in water for maximum 15, 20 minutes yeah. after you've watered yeah. it. it needs to, that water needs yeah. to be poured out. You block out the air spaces, you get the anaerobic bacteria, you start getting root rot, mm-hmm. and your houseplant wilts, and it dies, and we get to sell you another Right, <laughs> right. And you're, wilt, you're watering it because it is wilting. Yes. You know, you're thinking, well, I had an experience where this, uh, we put a houseplant in the pot, but we did it where you put the saucer in the pot yeah. so mm-hmm. you don't see the saucer underneath. Yeah. Well, the saucer that was put in there was too big. So when they pushed the pot down in there, that saucer molded around yeah. the pot, and there was not even any air coming in the little holes at the bottom. It was just encapsulating the bottom of that pot. Right, yeah. exactly. And as and we kept saying, you know, well, don't water so much. At the, don't water so much. And I said, something's wrong here, and pulled it up out of the pot, and, and that plastic saucer was just molded around it. So I actually took all the soil off, cleaned the roots, and repotted it in even a smaller pot because of it. And it didn't even miss a beat. Use a little Super Thrive or a little yeah, root stimulator absolutely. and get that thing going back on its right right path. Yeah. Well, I know we got to go to a break, but I'm, uh, and I know we got to call her, but a, a good friend of mine sent me a text last night, Mr. George Gully. Great guy. Most of Memphis knows George. But he sent me a picture of these amaryllis that were blooming that he mm-hmm. bought from us, you know, six weeks ago. And he said, this plant looks great, but what about all of my plants outside? Yeah. You know, and that's the big elephant in the room right now is all the damage that's been done outside with that flash freeze that we had. And we'll dive into that. But also, Jim, you said we've got... we got Kyle McLean, who's the Assistant Director of Horticulture at uh, Memphis Botanic Garden. And he's going to be here in the 8 to 9 hour. You know, Kyle, in the course of what he does, has seen more varieties of plants hit by this. So mm-hmm. he's got some good insight. Yeah. So looking forward to that. We'll be back after this break. KWAM AM 990. You're listening to Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You know, I've been reading a book about gravity. I just can't seem to put it down. Well, I test it every now and then, <laughs> <laughs> and it's still working. <laughs> <laughs> no, about gravity. Now, I, what's the deal with that? I just that? can't put it down. It's, it's the one, oh, it's I get the one it. <laughs> force that, that really makes a unified theory not work. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you look at strong forces and weak forces, yeah. Gravity doesn't fit, and so they're still trying to have a unified theory of that, and gravity is quite interesting. I love it. But I, you, I but you hear what Beta just said, the book that she just can't put down. Yes, so. I know. Yeah, I caught that. <laughs> Playing with those words again. I'm like, again. what? I didn't want to go all into that, but I kind of do. Now, what What were you saying, Jim, about this gravity thing? Is uh-huh. it in your mind that you're falling? No, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> I do it pretty well on my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. That's one of those things with getting old and you know, do you, do you blame your medication? Do you blame your wife? Do you, I'm so, no, ooh, took that ooh, back. What? I, you, <laughs> where's that just delay? Carol's awake. Right. Oop, oop. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's go to. Let's go. Thank goodness, Glenn. Let's go to Glenn. Good morning. You're in the Mid South Garden. Hey, uh, I've got a question about some bushes and trees in my backyard. I, I heard y'all talking about this a second ago. The leaves burned off of it and fallen, uh, skip laurels mm-hmm. and marinelle holly and mm-hmm. auto lucan laurel. And I was just wondering if there was something I could, uh, you know, fertilizer or something I should put on them now to try to 
uh, boost them back up or what I could do or what I should do. Well, Glenn, first of all, good morning to you, buddy, and Happy New Year to you. Thanks, y'all, too. I hadn't seen you in a minute. Jim, um, yep. you know, like Glenn's saying, I mean, we're going to get into this big time, of course, in the last hour, but... And, Veda, you know this. There's a lot of damage out there on these evergreen uh, shrubs and trees. I mean, they took the brunt of this uh, flash freeze that came through here a week or so ago. And uh, we're, seeing it, we're seeing two things. We're seeing a lot of burn out there of the leaves that are still on there, and we're seeing a lot of defoliation also. So do we go out there and go ahead and feed them now with a good organic fertilizer and then come back and say, early April with some 1266 or something like that to really give them that energy to flush out? Well— in my humble opinion, I, I would say no. Okay. All through my life, I've been told by the, ex, the the really good gardeners that I've been around was not to fertilize a stressed plant because <coughs> you can actually force it to put out new growth that there may not be roots to support. We don't yet know how much root damage was done from this freeze. Mm-hmm. The top damage is real obvious, Yeah. but if those roots are just iffy they're not going to be able to support that new growth and you're just going to speed its demise so i'm of the opinion you wait the ground temperature is still fluctuating back and forth right uh, most of the fertilizer if you just threw it on the surface is going to get it eaten by like annual bluegrass and chickweed and bacteria and stuff not very ro- much of it's going to get down to the root so i personally would wait till mid-march before mm-hmm. i'd start fertilizing mm-hmm. Uh, just to see what things are going. Most of the experts that I'm reading about say, wait. Yeah. And, and as I said in a, in a post the other night, wait just means we don't have a clue what's going to happen. Mm, yeah. Right. You right. Know? So now, it's come mid-March, early April, uh, would you feed it with a good organic fertilizer, or would you use a non-burning, like a 1266 or 1477 or something like that, or does it really matter? Because it's going to end up being the same. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's, you'll get a little quicker results if you're using a synthetic than right. you will with an organic. Right. But it's the exact same nitrites, nitrates. You know, plants can't tell the difference. Um, it's just kind of up to you. As long as you're putting the application rates down correctly, yeah. Okay, then the as far as the plant goes, doesn't matter. Now... Most of the organics that we have now have other things, the mycorrhiza, the, and yeah. uh, a, a good balanced micronutrient rate. Mm-hmm. So there are some advantages to using these versus going out there and throwing triple 13 down. And Glenn, I know that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to do is just sit here and wait. You know, Veda, I mean, right. it's the, it is the hardest it thing is to hard. do because things look so bad and we're so ready to do something mm-hmm. to help these plants out. Well, like, I'm always wanting to get ahead of the game. And since organics does work slower, I probably, just as a gardener, have to do some compost, something like that. But, but yeah. no. Compost is great. Yeah, because I mean, that, that's that, not really that's a fertilizer. That's not a growth. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, so. that's, that's the fear for me. The, and plus, right now, we're getting these really warm ground temperatures. Right. If you throw a fertilizer out there, you're likely to get some yep. bud swell. And hey, and we're not done with winter we're yet. We're just first barely week in the, January. the wintertime. So, Glenn, I mean, you know, the bottom line is, you know, the best thing we can do now is just, you know, just bite our tongue and, and just give it time. Uh, don't do anything as far as because, like Jim just said, Invaded just said, we don't want to flush out new growth this early right. in the year. And, you know, we'll have well, to wait and see, you know, how much damage, you know, that, that we really have. And we won't know that until they start to flush back out this spring. And then well, we could, could even. Could I have done anything to 
help prevent this? No. 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 Even no. even a lot of the people that called me, Glenn, this past week, they had covered a lot of their plants. Now, a lot of them had covered it with the wrong stuff the wrong way. But anyway, they had covered their plants, and they had just as much damage yeah. of the plants that had been covered than the plants that hadn't been covered. It's it's just as cold under that one when we're talking about this type of damage. So we, we had damage here from two different things. We had zero degrees temperature on very soft, plump wood. And also we, we are having sun scald damage, which you haven't seen yet. Because mm. when that following morning when it was zero degrees, it was sunny. Yeah. The sun hit sun hits the east side of that tree, and suddenly you got one side that's at zero degrees. You got another one that's up there fifty or sixty. It's amazing. So what yes. happens is that sunny side is going to expand, and you're going to get little hairline cracks that you can't see yet. But as it begins to as the sap begins to rise this spring, you'll begin to see those open up. And on uh, things like Japanese maples, crepe myrtles, I expect to see a good bit of this. And uh, that type damage can take three to five years or more to kill your plant. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say that you can scratch your bark and it can be green underneath. Things can even flush out this spring. But that just may be because the sap is still there, but it's not going to be able to pull from the roots. Right. So we could have things flush out, and then they're going to die. So it is going to be a big wait and yeah, see then. Yeah. The one thing I can say about this winter is it's going to be a banner year for nurserymen. That's right. I just doubled my order. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Glenn, yes. I mean, definitely, you know, they're going to need a little bit more nutrient value. Because like I told a lady yesterday, these evergreens typically don't have to replace all of their leaves every year. You know, we always have some natural shedding on evergreens, including azaleas and everything mm-hmm. in between. And they usually have to flush out a little new growth year after year. Well, this year, it seems like most of these evergreens are going to have to replace all of their foliage. So it's going to take a lot of energy to do that. So going out there around mid-March, early April, I'd say mid-March, and feeding these uh, trees and shrubs, it's going to be the best thing you can do. Yeah, I think by then we'll know how much root damage we've had, and you, you can feel safe about fertilizing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In looking at some of my plants in my yard, um, I have a whole lot of conversation pieces, and they look like the wood is damaged back about four or five inches until yeah. you get to about pencil size, and then the wood looks green. Um, so I think they're going to reflush there. But you're not pruning now, are you? No, not yet. Right. Sometime in February or so, I'll probably cut my, we were talking a minute ago, my camellias are huge. They're well over the the eve of the house. Um, But when they flush, if they flush, okay, they're going to flush it up there up high, and they're going to shade out any lower growth that would try to fill. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to cut them back fairly severely here sometime in, in February. Uh, and then let them flush again, and we'll just start over. Yeah. Well, uh, I I heard y'all talking too about uh, the double knockout roses. Mm-hmm. I, I let them get too tall before uh, winter came along. Yeah. So they're still pretty tall now. Yeah. And I heard you saying to cut back a third of that right now. Well, those I could, you know, I would have no problem cutting back seventy five percent of them. Okay. Yeah, the wood's probably not dead. I mean, they're pretty tough. But yeah. I think you know, this time of year, I'd cut them back pretty hard and let them flush again. Just go ahead and get them down to a yeah. couple of feet off the ground. Right. I cut, all, 
I cut all my miniature, or my wife cut all my miniature roses back yesterday to about six inches tall. Yeah. So, and the drift drift roses, you do the same way. If you need to, yes. Yeah, the drifts you typically don't get as tall as the knockouts do, Glenn. They they can get pretty big. But yeah, I mean, you know, the old general rule of thumb was to cut a third of it back, what they call winter pruning, and then go in there mid-February and cut them back really as far as you want. Or like Jim said, especially with knockouts, they're so tough, you can really go out there any time now and cut those things back as far as you want. All right. And I've got one other thing. You're talking about the molds. Kenneth, I gave you that that literature on Mm -hmm. that machine that Mm -hmm. that guy over in Arkansas invented. Did you ever buy one of those? Uh, no, well, I haven't. I'm just now getting to that point, Glenn, to where I'm losing my mind. <laughs> you got a mole harvester? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was something uh, you crank it up and you pump uh, you pump fumes down into the yeah. ground with yeah. a tube yeah. that uh, uh, smokes them out. I guess. I like the the thing you put on the exhaust on of the your exhaust vehicle. They don't yeah. even sell yeah. those anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. That was cool. so I think Glenn, that's similar to what this was. Hey, I'll keep you informed, buddy. Okay, well, let me know. I need a little side job. You got right. it. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, y'all. Just, Thanks, Glenn. I suddenly envisioned this machine kind of like a curved spading fork oh, running through your yard yeah. and harvesting, harvesting moles out. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll leave you oh. with that visual while we take a break. <laughs> We're going to invent something real quick, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Well, we can tell by the phone calls today that this flash freeze did nothing for the critters like the moles. And we've got Ron calling from Millington. Good morning, Ron. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Happy New Year to you guys. Hey, Happy Ron. Back at you, buddy. Um, the the guy that you were talking about on the machine that goes into the ground, yes. to, I guess, pumping dioxide. Yeah. I had that done year before last uh, it worked real well. Mm-hmm. I had it done in about June, and it seemed to kill everything or at least run them off. Mm-hmm. But now, my neighbors on both sides also did it, and we just did the front yards. Mm-hmm. So we were good and clean for that year, but last year, about midsummer, they started coming back, and boy, by, by wintertime here now, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, dang it. Well, so, that's not the one, is well, it? Well, it's, it's a short term. You know, something like that would be real good to do that mm-hmm. and then um, start almost immediately with a perimeter spray of castor bean oil. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to spray your whole yard because mm-hmm. you got them out. Mm-hmm. But if you'll just spray where you know that has not been treated and do a, a path 15 feet wide, spray it heavily uh-huh. about every six weeks or so, and I don't think you'll have them come back in there. Mm-hmm. So once I'll you get them out, Jim, you want to keep to them. Go ahead, Ron. I'm sorry. I'll I'll be glad to pay and do it again. No problem. <laughs> yeah, well, right. That's a good exactly. point. I mean, if you get results that gives you buys you time. You it's know, worth it. Under thirty bucks, you can treat what a quarter 10, of an 000, acre, ten thousand square feet. So when yeah. you're talking about mm-hmm. just a fifteen foot wide, you can do a whole lot of area. Uh, and, and, and I've been, had very, very good luck with, with it keeping moles over in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Jim. I Under hear my it breath quite, there. Yeah. I don't think he listens to <laughs> yeah. the program. So. Well, Ron, do me a favor though. If you come up with a way or if you devise something to get rid of these moles, you've got to let me know. Oh, I promise you I would. All right, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Ron. So what if we get a kind of 
get ahead of it, try to reduce the population by doing, say, poison peanuts or something like that early on before they start having their mole babies? Because I know they have a lot. Well, they do, but, you know, poison baits, anything like that that they have to eat, it's just subject to whether they find it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? Now, it was my understanding the poison peanuts, they actually didn't eat. That they What happened is they brush up against them, mm-hmm. and the zinc uh-huh. phosphide mm-hmm. is it that's so in exactly there. What it, is, yeah. it would irritate their skin, and their blood doesn't coagulate well. So when they start scratching, they bleed to death. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's not technically uh, poison uh-huh. as such. Like the poison worms, they're yeah. truly a bait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, when you're broadcast spraying a repellent, I can't, I can't even envision anything more successful other than, you know, broadcast flaming it or burning it. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like I said before, you know, your options are to use a repellent. And, Jim, you mentioned the castor oil. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we're using as a repellent. You can buy a granulated version called Molmax, or you can get a liquid version called Molgo. Uh, and it's nothing more than castor oil. The other angle is to... Not you know, the same one you buy in the drugstore. That's right. Yeah, yeah. this is a flowable... <laughs> Images. Yeah. A flowable castor oil. Uh, a what? Flowable. It, like you, it flows <laughs> through the, the sprayer. A flowable? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not the same strength as what you buy in, you know, feed your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but castor oil does a good job as far as repellent. And then the, the baits. You know, we talked about the poison worms. And these things look just like a worm, feel like a worm. Um, and you just get a pair of little plastic gloves on. Don't touch the worm itself with your hand. And you just push these worms down into the active tunnels. And see, that's always been the rub for me, is you want to bait the active tunnels. Well, a lot of people don't know what the active tunnel is. Mm-hmm. You know, a new tunnel, of course, is an active tunnel. But if I walk there and get across my backyard, I've got so many tunnels back there now, I don't know what's active and what isn't. So you can try to use the baits out there. And then, of course, the traps, you know, and the same thing with the trap. You know, you always want to try to put a mole trap on a active tunnel. Well, mm-hmm. there again, that can be easier said than done. And then, of course, there's the grub killers. I sold uh, a bag of grub killer to a guy the other day. He came in. He said, Kenny, is it okay for me to use this product this time of year? And if it is okay, is it going to work this time of year? And I said the same thing that Jim said a while ago. The worms are close to the surface. Two reasons. It's been so wet. So they're close to the surface, and it's been fairly warm other than the flash freeze that we had. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you can put this Dialox down, water it in, and it will kill, hopefully, the grubs and the worms that these moles are feeding on. And it's quick. Yep, 24-hour grub control. And if you kill their food source, they're going to go somewhere else eventually. So So for... (laughs) For the castor oil spray, tell us again what you told him about the the swath, 15 feet wide. Yeah, a 15 foot wide just barrier around, you know, if if you've got, like he said, three houses that are treating their front yard. Yeah, after you've done that treatment, uh, then fairly shortly thereafter, come in and whoever's got that board of property, keep Mm -hmm. spraying the barrier. Now, you'd also want to, if there's a street in front of you, you want to spray along the street too, because those little suckers will go under the street from from across the street. So, you know, it's just you got to spray a barrier all the way around your yard where they could possibly come in. So, and, and they'll get five feet sometimes into that, but it eventually irritates mm-hmm. their nose enough that they want to leave. Yeah, That's great. Do they ever, so we'll be putting down our milorganite for the deer, and yep. we're going to put down our castor oil, castor oil for the, for for the, the moles, moles uh-huh. you know, that, that barrier on the outside of your yard. Mm-hmm. And then right. you put down your shake away, the fox you're in, or the, <laughs> right. you know, for all the everything else. 
But do, do moles ever, you know, because, you know, you wonder about that sometimes. A lot of times you'll see a plot of dirt, a lawn, grass, whatever, surrounded by concrete, okay? Do they ever come up out of the ground and walk across and then oh, dig yeah, a new hole? So yeah. they're, they're moving around they're, on, they're on top of the ground also. Yeah, absolutely. And I've told you all this story before. You know, the, the mole that played uh, that played dead. I had a good friend of mine. Well, that was a possum. Well, no, no. <laughs> well, the mole that played possum. Let me put it that way. <laughs> a friend of mine that he worked from home, and he was sitting there working on the computer, looking out of his, out of his window. And he has a cat that looked like a leopard. I'm telling you, this thing was massive and it was mean. And it was out there just swatting this mole around, just really playing with oh. it, but just popping that thing. And Doug was in there doing on the computer, thinking, "What a great cat I have!" Right. Getting rid of that mole. So the mole is laying there dead, okay, right beside the, the sidewalk and the yard. And, and Doug was telling me this, and he said, when I get through with what I'm doing, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to feed and pet my cat, okay? As soon as the cat walks away, the mole looks up, <laughs> shakes his head, and digs another hole in the ground. So the moral of that story is if you ever get a chance to get out there and finish the job, you need to do it. <laughs> Be ready. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so many times I've had people tell me, you know, they could sit in a chair and and they'll see the ground right. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. I have put uh, up same, traps. Same. I have yet to catch one in a trap. They will go right to the trap and dig a new run around it. <laughs> okay? I've had zero luck with trap. Um, with the, the, the worms, you just don't know if you're getting mm-hmm. any luck. But I've cut those little things up in little pieces and yeah. stuck them all over there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, little t- hors d'oeuvres, like on toothpicks. Yeah. <laughs> and Veda Jim, you know, talking about the traps. Yeah, and I told you all this story before also. I went to a lady's house one afternoon just to drop some stuff off after I left work on the way home. And evidently she had called a company to come out there and get rid of her moles. And in an area that's, say, 20 foot by 20 foot, her front yard, no bigger than that, there were 50 mole yeah. traps out there, Jim. A bug could not make it through that yard without setting off some of these traps. So I'm thinking, okay, well, that's one way to get rid of them. I mean, it was the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I got one better. And it was almost, it was comical She's how like, many done mole this. traps were yeah. out there. Yeah, yes. I went to a house one time where a guy, you know, people say that if you put those little windmill daisy mm-hmm. things, that it will shake them off. supposed to send out a vibration, right. yeah. send them out. Yeah. And maybe so it does. I don't know. Down his property line, he must have had 200 oh, of these wow. things, you know. And he said, well, the house next door has been vacant for a long time. And I'm thinking, I know why. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to see all those windmills all the time. And was he doing solar power energy? (laughs) Can't win from losing, I'm telling you. Well, these moles are are so tricky. Any varmint is. It's the only varmint that runs people crazy. Yeah. If I had to watch. I don't know. I know a couple of people like them. (laughs) We'll be back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. I'm Veda with Palladio Garden in Memphis. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers right here in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm this grumpy old nurseryman. <laughs> I'm Jim Crowder, the other, the, um... <laughs> The, uh, what? One third of it, unless you're going by weight, I'm over half. There you of this go. Group. <laughs> but Jim, you are the administrator of a face- of, of our Facebook group, Mid South Gardening, and we've had this week. We've really had a flush of of activity on it, and and new members joining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much concern about the damage that's done. The flash freeze. What that we do had. we do? Um, 
And, and, you know, honestly, we just quite don't know yet. We don't know how much root damage was done. I mean, when I look at them, I looked at some Indian hawthorn this past week, and I believe they're dead. I don't think yeah. they've got life. to be dead yeah. by now. Remember they've three years ago, be. the Indian mm-hmm. hawthorns in particular, I mean, every one of them in Shelby County was, we thought was completely mm-hmm. dead. Down to the snow line. Right. And then, yeah, that's you're right. exactly right. And then we would see a little green coming up from the bottom of them. Most people just dug them up, got rid of them, and said, I'll never plant one of these again. Um, but I do like Indian hawthorn. I love the way they right. look. And and like Jim was saying a while ago, this this flash freeze that we had, you know, zero, minus zero degrees mm-hmm. here in Shelby County, you know, that's that doesn't happen that often. And yeah. that's the problem, though. It can happen here. It does and did happen here. And, and, and that's why we're seeing all right. this damage. And we grow so many plants that, you know, this is as far north as they grow. Mm-hmm. Indian hawthorn uh, mm-hmm. is one. Um, but we, it's so many plants were just caught off guard. You know, I've never seen, um, this much damage on autolucan laurels. Right. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it was also the exposure yeah. too, because this one area that's protected, the pansies are still green. Yeah. They're still green. And then the other areas, mush. they're mush. And, and I'm thinking, and they're I've never not seen even going to come back from the root, but then some will. And then how about like, uh, you see the hollies on, on one side defoliated and then on the other side, they're still green. So it definitely shows your how you know you talk about all the time jim if you plant on this side of the house you'll have more success mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it kind of worked out that way same well, plant different exposure different yeah, exposure look. had a lot to do with it but look at the cryptomeria i was telling jim and veda i was going home last night and there's a uh, a, a house that's fairly new and the landscaping is let's say three years old very professionally done looks great well on the side of one of the uh properties there's these brand new three-year-old beautiful cryptomerias and a lot of people as you know have gone and planted cryptomeria Estella leland cypresses and some of these other plants but they are they look like toast i mean they look dead as a doornail and like jim was saying uh, off air you know in fact you were too hoping that you know they're going to be fine uh it's just the 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 needles the foliage that is completely brown but it kind of caught my attention because a lot of these other fur-like trees, you know, whether it's the, you know, the cedars, the cypress, the arbovitas, those things look great. It was just the cryptomeria. Uh, the pine trees look great. That that really look like they're fried. But I'm with y'all. I think they're going to be fine and, and, and flush back out. So you were saying you're thinking that the needles and things will fall off? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. they have to, um, right? Yeah. They can't get green. Cryptomeria always has some winter browning. I yeah. mean, that's, that's a natural process in them. Uh, this year, though, because they just hadn't hardened off, they had, they got tissue damage, and so most mm-hmm. of that's going to fall off. But I think the wood's good, good yeah. and green, really do. Yeah. Um, well, when I looked at uh, my camellias that are they're planted on the west side, so they're not getting <laughs> the morning sun, which was a good thing. Uh, but the leaves are definitely all brown. But when I looked closer, the stem that the leaf yeah. is on is still, still green. green. Yeah. And that's what I've been telling yeah. people all week long that have been calling. I mean, hundreds of phone calls. Hey, what is what about my landscape? And I said, well, just give it the old scratch test. You know, yes, the foliage took the brunt of this cold weather. And that's the first thing that's going to show symptoms. Die back, you know, brown, black tissue is going to be on the foliage. And that's what we're seeing. But a lot of these plants, let's say, for example, like azaleas. I mean, azaleas are burnt up. But if you go out there, and I have yet to find one where if I go out there and scratch the stems, they're not still good and green up under there. So that is a really good sign. Now, there are going to be some plants that, like hawthorns you're talking about, Jim, a while ago, 
um, that might be dead. We'll have to wait and see. But for the most part, fingers crossed, thank goodness, if anything, if everything stays the way it is now, we don't have another one of these this winter, uh, I think most of this stuff is going to come back out. Are we going to see some damage on some of these plants and have to go in there and do some select pruning? Absolutely. So... Hopefully, it's more superficial than it is detrimental, but we don't know yet. Well, a lot of people are coming in and going ahead and getting evergreens to replace what was in their containers because there's maybe a less chance of things in containers making it. Or if it's in a container, it's definitely in the spotlight, and you're just like, I'm done with it. It's got to look good Mm. now. But you mentioned the pansies and violas and ornamental cabbage and those kind of things in containers. I've never, and, and beds, I've never, I don't think ever see it get so cold where it just turned the violas the panolas and the pansies and the cabbage into mush immediately too. i mean and that's how cold it <laughs> yeah. got i mean i've just i've never seen pansies not make it through a winter like that well, what about um all the mm. nurseries around that stored stuff in the greenhouses I, I that's mentioned unheated, that. heated yeah. yeah i mentioned that i you know if i were in the, <laughs> i would be leery of buying anything containerized nursery stock that's been in an unheated hoop house through mm-hmm. the winter Man, uh, it could have sense. it could have significant root damage mm-hmm. uh, so and we i haven't heard any haven't seen any reports yet about how severe it was in southern mississippi yeah. southern alabama yeah they have no way to protect all that stuff right. yeah. acres and acres and acres of, yeah. of nursery stock you know how well were they we may have a shortage of plants. I'm afraid we might. I mean, yeah. we're obviously going to have a shortage because there's going to be so much brown Demand. stuff. People are going to just rip it out and say, I want something looks good right now. I don't want to cut that hawthorn back and wait four years for it to look right. good. Right. right. So you're going to see a real high demand. Um, I think Texas was hit particularly hard, mm-hmm. and that's such a huge market for nursery stock. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be like it was about two years ago, going to be tough to find. But, but on a typical landscape, aren't we going to know really sooner than later what's going to flush back out and what isn't? When I, when I mean sooner than later, as soon as you know, spring gets here, we're going to know pretty quick you know, what plants I probably need to go in there and really you know, replace. Oh, yeah. 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 Or with what the, plants do I let flush out and, and do some select cutbacks? With back? the exception of sunscald, we may not see that damage till midsummer. Till it when it gets hot. Till it really gets hot. Remember so. the Japanese maples, like Jim was mm-hmm. talking about. You know, was, just, was it this past year, Veda, or the year before? Japanese maples, mm-hmm. they flushed out in the spring, and then you know, as soon as it started getting, yeah. as soon as it started to get hot. Remember the November 2019 freeze? We had so many Japanese maples damaged there because they hadn't had any cool weather mm-hmm. at all. You know, and then suddenly it goes to 26 degrees. Yeah. Uh, now, that's not terribly cold, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was enough to freeze that bark and split it. Those, remember, so. we talked about this about three weeks ago, the thin-skinned trees like dogwoods, cherries, uh, Japanese maples. They are so susceptible to those uh, really extreme sudden drops in temperature. So we'll have to wait and see these beautiful Japanese maples. I just hope and pray that we don't see a lot of damage on them when it starts to get hot this summer. Well, uh, when it was really cold that time before when the crepe myrtles were damaged, what do you think they've got to be damaged again? I suspect. I looked at Christy's got some that are 20 years old in her front yard. They're uh, natchez. Mm -hmm. Uh, I looked yesterday, and I could not find any cracks yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on them and see. Uh, 
Bye. Wow, this is so crazy and incredible that our weather did this. Yeah. But that's the fun. Now you get to redo your garden. That's why I told you when yeah. I was on uh, Earl Farrell's show, I said, you know, think of it as an opportunity. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Y'all two are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I know at the same time, though, you probably are going to lose something prized uh, that you really, really loved or it yeah, finally like, got like looking my good. Yard. <laughs> yeah, your entire yard. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, break. Let's go to break. Um, y'all call. Call us, 260-5926, or you can post questions on uh, Facebook Live, and we'll get it that way. We'll be right back. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Now, I've been looking at gardening trends and things like that, just interesting information. And one of them that I was reading on uh, what some of the top hobbies were and of course i think gardening came in second but third was <clears throat> drinking tea i can hey I, I, what about gardening and drinking tea? i know i thought well maybe they mean that but where did gardening whiskey go yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would think that might have been more than the drinking the yeah. tea hey the first thing i do uh, when i drinking get whiskey must have been number one right yeah. right what was number one now <laughs> the first thing i do when i get home is make a big glass of tea you know, yeah. and kick my shoes off. I guess it's connoisseur, tea connoisseurs. Yeah. I mean, that just, can't be right. I mean, you'd think it'd be more like drinking wine, you know, taste of wine, but drinking tea. See, there you go. But there's like, let's see, this is a, a different one. Um, 18.3 million you, households started gardening in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 55% of people garden to create uh, beautiful space and 43% garden to grow food. Mm-hmm. People garden for five hours a week on average. That's all? Five hours a week on average? Hmm. 30, de- 30 minutes a day and then a couple hours on a Saturday? Mm-hmm. Well, it says majority. I guess us addicts to gardeners, you know, <laughs> garden 50 hours a week, it feels like. Um, the average U.S. garden is, food garden is 600 square feet and produces $600 worth of food. It and cost it, you $800 to grow. Yeah, but you know what? Wait, they didn't give us that part. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I mean, and you're right. And, and, and speaking of that, y'all, in, uh, I was talking to Jamie uh, Childers yesterday, and we've got uh, the president of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners coming in in February, uh, mid-February. And then the latter part of February, if y'all remember this, We've got the gentleman that won the tomato contest this past year uh-huh. coming in to give some secrets away on the uh, growing of the tomatoes. Cause this and kinda, he's willing to do this. Uh, he's going to do it. How about and that's that? my point. What you just said, Veda, you know, your average garden 600 square feet, and Jim said you spend an average of $600. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter when it comes to tomatoes. Yeah, if I have to spend $100 <laughs> on one tomato mm-hmm. i'm fine with it right yeah but that's the was... only vegetable that i'm willing to do it with <laughs> well this was uh surprising tomatoes are the most popular homegrown vegetable found oh yeah and uh they're in 86 percent of food gardens oh. who's not growing that's a t- my I know. point I mean, who's like gonna have a vegetable garden not have tomatoes 86 percent of food and this this information y'all know that the gardening um gardening magazine the industry puts <laughs> yeah, out yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's where we're getting these statistics which are you know you could believe those pretty well uh the southern u.s has the most food gardens per capita i agree with that yeah but you know, hardly as well, there's much. no space in new york city yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the only thing yeah. but also remember you know during covid back in you know 2020 i guess uh, 19 you know people were they were at home and 
that's they were it was running them crazy just being in locked up in their house. And we all know that the gardening industry just boomed. People got outside, they created uh you know, raised beds, raised gardens, garden plots. But not because it's, and they'd never done it before. A lot of these people had never, ever, ever grown vegetables in a garden in their backyard. But that was kind of like the catalyst, you know, yeah, when they because they just had to get outside of the mm-hmm. house. Remember that? And it was great. And a lot of these people are still doing it. Yeah, they they were. I was hearing people say, well, when it's over with, everybody will stop. Nope. And I'm like, that's not true because they're going to find a fulfillment that Mm -hmm. you haven't had before. And you're not going to stop doing that. It's not like when you buy one of those expensive uh, exercise machines and use yeah. your coat rack. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, exactly. you really want to go back you out lay and your get sweater on it, Jim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. So, but yeah, but I think it's great though. And, and it's something about, you know, I don't know what it is, raising your own food or growing some of your own food, especially when it comes to the, the, the tomatoes are the ones that stand out in my mind. But it's easy, you know, whether it's eggplant, peppers, okra, squash, and on down the line. And it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good food. It's good for you. But it, it's, it's just funny about the tomatoes. That's what sets, to me, that's what sets people apart is if you can grow a tomato, I'm fine. You know, mm-hmm. if but, you know, listen, last year there was a lot of people that had trouble with tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you God. Know? So it, don't blame yourself. No. It, was, it, mm-hmm. it was just a funky year on tomatoes. <laughs> that's a great point, Jim, because I also remember overnight, it was so wet from November to March last year. Remember that? And then overnight, it turned 110 degrees in the shade. Mm-hmm. And it's almost impossible to have a nice tomato crop with that kind of weather. It just yeah. is. I don't care what you do. And I don't care how many different varieties of tomatoes you're planting out there. But I think it's pretty cool we're going to have the guy come on in uh, late February. And the, and the beauty of this is he's going to give away some secrets because he didn't win just one classification. Because at the great tomato contest that they have every year, there's different classifications that they have. You bring your tomatoes in, the best cherry tomato, the best heirloom, the best slicing tomato. I think he won like eight out of nine categories. That's right. And so right. he's doing something right when it comes to tomatoes. Well, this will be good to hear. Years ago, um, when Chris Gang was writing her garden column mm-hmm. for the Commercial Appeal, she called me one day and said she wanted to do an article about tomatoes. And so I gave her a fellow's number, a guy that went to our church, you know, uh, not someone I particularly cared about, but he did grow a mighty fine tomato. Mm-hmm. So she calls him, and he is just flat arrogant with her. <laughs> I'm not telling you my secrets. Yeah. I'm not telling anybody my yeah, secrets. Oh, yeah. I was like, you idiot. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Gardeners <clears throat> usually share something. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a guy that comes in. He, <laughs> not he, him. He came into the garden center last spring, and he's from uh, Cleveland, Mississippi, down there. Great Delta soil you know you can grow anything in it right and he said all right kenny he said if there's one secret ingredient to tomatoes or if there's two i want it what is it <laughs> because he had a bet with his neighbor that he's going to grow a better tomato than him and it, it's just so What's funny that little but secret? It, it, what is yeah, yeah what what one product or two products do i need that he doesn't know about mm-hmm. that i could add to my tomatoes to get a better tomato and, and to me, that's just, I don't know why, that's the, to me, the only vegetable that spurs that competition. You know, you're not going to see true. a squash competition. Oh, the best watermelon. Yeah. Well, they do watermelons, <clears throat> well, though, but the taste-wise, not Squash so and, and most of those vegetables, the bigger they are, the worse they yes, are. Exactly. Yes. 
you know, with tomatoes, you could still get you and get one of those that weighs four pounds. It still tastes really good. Exactly. So the latter part of February, guys, he's going to be up here to give away his secrets. If there is any secrets, maybe there's not. Mm -hmm. We'll have to find out. I guess it's just how good your soil is, is one. You know, because, I mean, certain things grow good in certain areas because of their type of soil, or they taste better because of their type of soil. You know, in fact, we've always seen the poster where it says, life doesn't start with the seed, it starts with the soil. You know, and how true is that? But you're right. I mean, a Vidalia onion in Vidalia, Georgia, tastes better than a Vidalia onion planted here in Mm -hmm. Shelby County. But it's not a Vidalia onion when you plant it here. (laughs) Vidalia is a trademark name only for that county. There, there you go. Yeah. What it is is a what's a it's a white um, Texas sweet or super sweet Jim no, or no it's a white and I can't think of the name of it. But but my point <laughs> but though is that same onions planted here. But y- if you plant it here, it doesn't taste the same. Exactly. And you can't call it a Vidalia. See, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, many rules, so many rules. So many rules. Yep. not again. So um oh you know we were. Me and my granddaughter, my son, were watching this documentary on uh, <laughs> on what we call it marijuana, cannabis, yeah. weed. So we were watching this <coughs> documentary, and they were talking about all these different kinds of, of what you call it, Jane, and all yeah. of that. My granddaughter's like eleven, so we were went after watching the documentary, whatever. We went out and walking around, and my son's got this big the pond back there. Yeah, and there was and this is in Florida. This correct. is in Florida, yeah. and there was duckweed growing all in the pond. Yeah. The floating duckweed. Yeah, the floating duckweed. So we're walking by, and she's like, "No, no, what is that?" And I go, "Duckweed," and she stands there a minute. And she goes, "So ducks smoke." marijuana <laughs> oh god see what weed. tv does to people i know i know i was like that is so funny how well they but it was like now you got to be careful how we say things yeah. all the time because no no this is a, a the duckweed is like fish love to eat that don't yeah, they they do oh now, yeah. yeah now those statistics that you were quoting while ago veda as far as gardening mm-hmm. uh did it give any future like insight like this is going to continue Mm -hmm. this is going to grow every year well it was one of them was the weed category or the cannabis category but just as far as the percentage of people that are what department are they going to grow more stuff in? well but or just the percentage of people that are involved in growing their backyard gardens Mm -hmm. because like i said before covid you know, there's one is near as yeah, many people doing Let's it. See. And now after COVID, they, it's like double the number of people that are growing their own vegetables. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Onion is a yellow granix. Can yellow granix. Oh, he finally can, can got it. In but Jim, know. but it, but that's amazing, though, how that same onion planted here. And we have decent soil oh, yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it tastes completely different than that same onion planted in Vidalia, Georgia. Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now. As far as our clay soil goes here, and we, you know, you've talked about the attributes of having clay soil, and of course some of the detriments of having clay soil. But when you're trying to grow underground vegetables, whether it's onions, mm-hmm. beets, kohlrabi, uh, asparagus, is it feasible to think that we can grow decent underground plants here with our heavy clay? As say, com, uh, you know, as compared to somebody that well, might have a more loamy, sandy yeah. soil, they just. For here, the biggest recommendation is just to always have a raised bed, plant it in planter box, 
Because I understand when I was first trying to grow carrots and they were just stubby, small. That's my point. And it was because of our soil. Yeah, you know, we never recommend you grow any carrots other than Danvers half-longs because there's the only thing to make here. Mm -hmm. You know, they just wouldn't push any deeper. You'd end up with this, you know, pencil-lead thin (laughs) carrot. Well, and and that's why I'm asking, because of our clay soil, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like it if would be... If you're loosening it every year, okay, and doing tilling top six inches or so, yeah, you can grow them right mm-hmm. in our clay, and they're mm-hmm. happy as they can mm-hmm. be. Uh, but if, every, if that soil is loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every year, though, that you don't do that or spade it or something, then it's going. you're going to compact that onion, which mm-hmm. intensifies the flavor usually uh, and changes it. So I would, uh, I would, for root crops in most cases... You want to turn that soil every year, or do like Veda said, just get yourself a raised bed. Yeah, because that way bed. you're 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 growing these things in a different soil that's actually native in the ground. True. Okay, y'all, we'll be right back after all these messages. Be getting getting ready to give us a call 260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the Mid-South Garden. Glad y'all could be with us today. Looking forward to this year of all the wonderful gardening we're Mm going to get to do, all the things we're going to have to transplant. I tell you what, y'all might want to go ahead and start lining up the people that's going to take care of your yard now Mm. because they're going to be so overwhelmed with uh, things to do. And then I would even say maybe check into who you're going to get working in your yard at the same time because there's going to be a lot of people that just feel like this would be a good time to get out and and do some work in your yard but that's not really what their profession is plan ahead no doubt and guys we do have a gentleman coming from the memphis botanic gardens in the last hour of the show in about 25 minutes he'll be here to kind of talk about and go over uh this this flash freeze that we just went through and all the damage that we're seeing out there and like we've been talking about extensively this morning is we hope and pray that most of this stuff that we're seeing is uh, more superficial than it is truly detrimental. But we're also talking about on certain plants like Indian hawthorns. Jim made the comment, they didn't want to yell about the potential damage that we could see on our beautiful Japanese maples. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in some of the soft tissue plants uh, like the akubas and the, uh, the fatsias, you know, the, I mean, yeah. And Jim, you were talking about on on and maybe they did, one of y'all were about the fatsias and the akubas in particular, that real more soft tissue plants. They got nuked, of course. And typically, we wait till you know April when everything starts to flush back out before we go out there and start cutting things back, mm-hmm. because by then, you know, we kind of know what's dead. Um, because I mean, what doesn't flush out? Of course, we got to go out there and selectively cut back. We know that tissue's dead. But you made a comment, Jim, that it wouldn't hurt to go out there and even cut akubas and fatsias and those kind of things down to the ground even now. Yeah, I'm cutting out mushy tissue basically on everything. My crinums crinum yeah. yesterday, uh, my wife cleaned them up real good, got all the dead yucky stuff out of that and then recovered them with some leaves. Should I go iris, I was shocked on the iris. I'm on a greening right back up, man. Mm, yeah, good. they're coming along. So things great. like banana trees and... yeah. yeah. Fatsias yeah, and the Cubas and, and cut them off at the ground. Just go yeah. ahead and get that mush off of there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Because, I mean, is it because, Jim, that that stuff can seep on down below ground level? Mm, yeah. That yeah. rot, it allows if you will. fungus to be held yeah. in it and yeah. on and on. 
Ew, that's gross stuff. Wait, but anyway, but, but Kyle will be here. That's yeah. his name uh, from the Botanic Gardens uh, in the next hour. Elephant ears in the ground. That may be more of a uh, micro environment, whether they come back or not. Yeah, I didn't. I, I'm going to dig some out of my yard to transfer to my daughter's, and I didn't get to those yesterday when we were working. Mm-hmm. But I did. There were a couple of, of um, borderline hardy bulbs that I did try to dig, and I can't find them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've already turned them up. Yeah. Oh, so. oh. And one yeah. thing that we hadn't mentioned this morning, you know, we've been talking about the, you know, the damage that we're seeing on trees and shrubs, of course. Well, there's also a good bit of damage out there, y'all, on ground covers and perennials. Mm-hmm. Ground covers uh, in particular, I saw a huge, beautiful, what used to be a beautiful bed of Pachysandra. And, of course, some ivy growing on a wall in the same house. I mean, it looks horrible. It looks just like, you know, the azaleas look yeah. as far as the foliage goes. Uh, so we're there again. Aren't we still hoping that all that stuff is going to drop that dead tissue and flush back out this spring? Now, ivy, you know, in particular, uh, this was a bigger leaf ivy, and it looked like toast, y'all, I'm telling you. And it was growing all on this perimeter wall. Mm-hmm. So it might be one of those things where, and there again, you know, time will tell whether we're going to go in there and have to cut that stuff down at ground level and let it just grow back. Uh, or not, but uh, and then perennials like hellebores, you know, the Lenten rose. It's an evergreen perennial. Well, it they're black as everything. They look horrible. So the same thing. It's going to be one of those where not only on trees and shrubs, but also ground covers and perennials that we have to go in there and clean up well, at like some point. On the Lenten rose, since it's not smushy and all, I would still leave the foliage to protect I would too. the crown. I would yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, if it's mushy, I would cut that away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but as long as it's still firm, even if it's black, I would leave it uh, just to protect the flower buds. Mm-hmm. But we had somebody post that they they pulled their yucky stuff back, and there are the flower buds coming yeah. right along, which is know? great. And then we were talking about in the first hour some of these marginal plants like. You know, gardenias. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just, we're on that northern line when it comes right. to gardenias, Indian hawthorns. Some of the camellias. Some of the camellias. Yeah. I mean, Madison, I mean, some of the Confederate jasmines. Mm-hmm. Creeping figs. I mean, we'll have to, yeah, exactly. We, I mean, a lot of that could really be severely uh, damaged or killed. We'll have to wait and see. It's just, it's, you just have to wait and see. There's nothing that we can mm-hmm. Because we don't know right now. That's the problem. I have. In fact, I posted a picture on, on our Facebook group of the snow and summer Asiatic jasmine that Love I've got. Love that yeah. jasmine. Everything on the tree is dead. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it's cooked. All the top foliage is cooked. Now, when I dig down underneath the leaves, the oak leaves and oh. everything, I see some leaves that are bronze, okay. maybe alive. But it's too early to tell. But but at least you're seeing that, uh, though. Yeah, yeah it just hasn't goodness. gone backwards yet. But I don't know if it's just because it hasn't been exposed to sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing may be dead. Oh, it, no. Because isn't Asian jasmine kind of borderline here? Uh, Asian, yeah. This is the far, far end of it. And yeah. I, it's my understanding that snow and summer which is, is a variegated, le- which less is hardy than the, the, the green. Yeah. And it has the word snow in it. Yeah. yeah. That's but time it psyched you out. As shallow <laughs> rooted as it is, and it's you know planted around huge oak trees, so yeah. I'm a little concerned about its health. I'm wondering because we all we had a new one this year, uh, sunburst. Yeah, I think it was sunburst that this in the snow and jasmine look, mm-hmm. except for this had more yellow. Yeah. So I'm wondering how that's going to be. I, mean, I hope, because I, I know a lot of people tried it out this year because it was so pretty. Well, yeah, you know, and a lot of this is stuff that 
first-year plants, they're going to suffer more than if they had been there four or five years. Okay, so don't just because you planted this gardenia and it didn't make it this past summer, it may make it normally and get established and be just fine. But because you've got lots of air, very few roots really out into your clay soil, Uh, you've got air, that that, that zero-degree air went right down into that pine bark. So a lot of those roots can be damaged. Uh, What about the hydrangeas? What are we thinking about? I mean, because there's so many different types of hydrangeas Mm -hmm. out there now, whether it's the old shade variety, the bald, the pink and blue blooming hydrangeas, and the new-er hybrids that have the white blooms, you know, the limelights and so forth. I mean, remember, guys, uh, back in November, I guess back in 19, we had that sudden drop in temperature, and they were killed to the ground. I mean, they just had to come back from the root. Uh, are we thinking that that could be the same thing All this year? All of my macrophilas are dead to the ground. Wow. You know, I cut a piece to bring up here to show Earl Farrell to talk about it. All the buds are mm-hmm. gone on the stems. So you're not going to get any resprouting. There's no flowers even if you left them. But when you get down to the base of them and do – the scratch test, yeah. which I'm going to talk about a little bit more, too, there. It's green, but it's not right. You can see some little yeah. brown discoloration mm-hmm. in it. Uh-huh. Some of the bark that shouldn't be peeling is beginning to peel. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so just just because you're seeing some green in there doesn't mean you're out of the woods right. either. Right. So we're going to – if this weather – stays decent this next week all of my hydrant all of my macrophilas the mop heads yeah. are going to be cut to the ground mm-hmm. okay now so you're not waiting i'm you not mean, waiting on those there's no point in it but I'm you just, could wait though you could wait if you wanted to okay. but all that tissue appears to be dead okay so i'm cutting all of mine back now the um, the summer flowering the paniculatus that have the big white flowers that turn pink or like red the limelights and the little yeah. limes and yeah. uh, those bloom on new wood yeah. so and i think they're going to be fine at least root hardy. Yeah. Uh, so I, they'll they'll just I'll cut them back, but they'll just come right back out. I wonder bloom. if we're going to have a bloomless spring. Well, I, mean, I, think I think on we'll the mop heads some, we are. Like for for in general, I think for, for Scythia blooms are are gone. Yeah. I don't think you'll have any flowers on those. What, what about I'm like thinking. dogwood? You know, dogwood buds that were exposed. I, I mean, think dogwoods will if they. Um, if they survive long term, yes, they, uh, <laughs> I think the buds will. Con- those buds were formed last summer, okay, yeah, and yeah. I think they were tight enough that they will come on and open. Okay, um, but well, you, again, it's hard to tell on any tree because you know, like when when I do a scratch test, I'll start at the top of the plant and go all the That's way. That's what down, I do. I'll okay? say now. You can get to the bottom, like we talk about, and it can be green. You think, oh well, well, this is fine. Well, you know, I've done this for fifty years. I can look at that green and tell me and realize, is that the right color green? Exactly. Well, because let me say this, if you don't mind. When I was scratching an azalea limb the other day, you know how azaleas, you know, you just get thin skinned. You Mm -hmm. scratch it and it's good and green and vibrant. And you can tell that tissue is still very much alive. Well, a lady also brought in a sample, the same lady that brought in the azalea, a sample of, I think it might have been Euonymus. Mm -hmm. Okay. I scratched it, y'all, and it was like... Just, just mush. Yeah. Just mush. I mean, it was still green, yeah, but, but that was tissue mushy. was just, just coming off just too easy. And I'm like, mm. And yeah. a lot of that see, has to determine on where those plants were, mm-hmm. you know? Because if you had had uh, that euonymus on, say, the uh, south side of the house, right. it probably, or I mean, the north side of the house, it was exposed to cooler ground, cooler temperature. It may have hardened off more than mm-hmm. its southern buddy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You would think it'd be just the opposite. You would think if that same euonymus was on the north side of the house with all that exposure, the coldest right. side of the house, 
but like Jim said, the coldest side of the cooler side of the house is the, probably what would help protect. The days are shorter because right. the house is casting more shade on it. Um, so there's a lot of variables, that, you know, where you can have two plants in your yard and one just do fine, the other one be deader. Right. Yeah, yeah, just walking Deader. around looking at everything. You know, the uh, backside's green and the front side's not green. But I mean, think, you know, it's just so many variables, and it's going to be interesting and fun to watch. And and so I'm already trying doing experiments. You well, know, but one of the things that we are doing right now is giving plants the old scratch test. I mean, because if you are seeing good, vibrant green color. That's surely better than not seeing green. Now, like Jim was saying, that just because you're seeing some green on some of these plants doesn't mean that they're going to really make it next year. But seeing green is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, this, don't get me this wrong. This warmer weather lets us know sooner. You know, it's it's a good thing in being able to determine how much damage was done. It's a bad thing because we get this warmer temperature, right. buds swell, and then it's going to get cold again, and more stuff's going to get damaged. And, and you think we're going to have more cold weather this this I don't. Oh, please! <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, go to a break. We'll be right back. Two six zero five nine two six. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all could be here with us today. Well, someone came into the garden center and said that they're using pitcher plants to control ants. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing in my yard. Is still well, One of the things in my yard still looks pretty Get good. Get out of here. Pitcher, that's Pitcher awesome. plant is still green. Well, okay, so. Unprotected. And so pitcher plants you have it like in a boggy area. Yeah, well, actually, I put a pot in the ground uh-huh. that holds water. Yeah. Put the soil in it and planted the uh, pitcher That's plants so in cool. it. Got a little dwarf variety, and then I've got mm-hmm. a taller one. And uh, right now, they're okay. Yeah. You know, right now, uh, they're well. probably going to die back to the ground, but they're yeah. extremely cold. That's already. awesome. I love pitcher plants, and we never, ever talk about. Or I didn't know until a couple of years ago that you could actually grow them in the ground here oh, yeah. or in container like that. Yeah. Had a client that had them in an old sugar kettle, uh-huh. actually, and then was on a patio. Uh, they came back every year, and I was so shocked. But pitcher plants, plants are awesome, and of course we can we buy them and hang in baskets and grow them indoors too. Uh-huh. And he said he had one um, sitting on the counter, and then he noticed that the ants were in the pitchers. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you go that's some good ant control yeah you know some of them get quite tall not not the the vining type but mm-hmm. the regular pitcher plants seriousness that can get up three or four feet tall and they're stunning when you have yeah. a little group of them i saw a, a patio where they had a i'm guessing it was a 15 or 18 by 18 inches wide mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful three or four foot um pitcher plants in there uh it's just in the bloom is quite That's stunning oh bloom oh I yeah i haven't checked out that they Mine bloomed, bloomed uh, bloom every year Ooh, well this this is good since i'm picking you to do our water garden talk at the garden center did okay. you know that no but, i didn't but yeah <laughs> you, you said know, the, wa- did, the water garden talk yeah yeah talk about water gardens as you can go a little bit farther than this is a fish. This is underwater grass, and this is a <laughs> lily. Remember, we need some more information. Remember how big uh, water gardening was about ten years ago, uh, and everybody and their mother had a. Out- no, that that was twenty. Was yeah. it twenty years ago, y'all? I guess <laughs> it might have been, but but a lot of that has not gone away. I mean, it, I, I mean, I love a water feature in in a landscape, especially the sound of the the water. 
But when you get in there and do it the right way, uh, unlike, you know, Jim made this, you know, the, at the Taj Mahal that he had. Right. <laughs> but you can have just a small water feature mm-hmm. with a few little water plants in there. Uh, and it it, it looks fine. great. Yeah. And throw the mosquito dunks in there mm-hmm. to keep the mosquitoes out. And I mean, I'm it's not you, as hard as people. It's make not it hard out at all. Be. You know, and uh, I've gotten real fond of growing lotuses in in just pots. Yeah, pretty pots you know, with lotus. You yeah. can get pots that that don't drain. You know, fairly inexpensive mm-hmm. that are foam or plastic now, and uh, you just fill them full of mud, basically yeah. out of your yard. <laughs> or mud. Actually, yeah. Veda has a bag soil, one of your Monrovia that mm-hmm. is super. For, for for bog plants, just because what you want <laughs> is a good not the heavy. One I'm selling to <laughs> re- to it's rather heavy, soil. so but that's what you need. It was heavy. One. Yeah. <laughs> now, when are you doing this? Uh, I don't know. Is that I think in March I've got you. Sometime? Yeah, I think yeah. I've got you for the March. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll Make give you sure more details later. Right. I know. Well, you know, we can switch this. Around but you know how a lot of times to. these things, you know, they 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 come and go. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like a cycle. Do we think, I mean, is water gardening, just because we don't talk about it as much and we don't, I don't hear about it as much, I wonder, is it is it just as yeah, favorable still, as it used yeah, to be? Yeah, because right. we have lots of jobs working on rebuilding okay. water gardens. And then I know there's another water garden company that just installs and just constant busy. So I, I don't guess it's talked about as much but it's still out there right but and it's something you know most homeowners can do on their own yeah you know, yeah we don't have to have a big pond with the big waterfall mm. at all i mean we sell containers that uh, are big enough to hold like the whole ecosystem mm-hmm. and fish and all it did our just water sink garden, that thing it, in the ground you and can just set it right on top oh, oh these wow. are decorative containers and put you know, you know some decorative stone around right. it well, yeah you know, and she's got the like the the fountains that are self-containing i mean they Water flows mm-hmm. down a waterfall into a pot that looks like it's got gravel in it. Yeah. yeah. So there's no fish to worry yeah. about, no yeah. plants if you don't want them. That's true. And it just recirculates. Yeah. And, and you get that wonderful sound. And that's to me, mm-hmm. that's what I love is yeah. the sound yeah. of the water. Yeah, you know? me too. The peacefulness and all of that. So, um, I was telling Jim that that's how we got to Water Garden. Was We started with pitcher plants. That I had a client that came in and said he's found out that pitcher plants make good ant control in the mm-hmm. house. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. And then... I mean, I tell you what, this is all getting rid of gnats is almost like trying to get rid of moles. In our break room, uh, some of the guys will take some of the house plants that were like, well, it's not really sellable, but it's fine. And so they had a couple in the break room. And of course, they're not watering properly and all. So then it kind of seems like all of a sudden there's some gnats running around. And we're talking about the old fungus gnats that are inside. Fungus gnats, yeah. So, um, you know, you do the mosquito bits which will or which will you know kill the larva but it doesn't kill the gnats and then we don't do the bits and then there's the gnats and we're killing the gnats and and just everything's just going on trying to get rid of them so we've got all those homemade recipes you get a cup and you put the vinegar in it and you poke the holes in it and all of that and so we did that and then um set it all out i drank my coffee you know (laughs) left it on the table went home Came back the next day. We're checking our traps, oh, nap yeah. traps. They're in the coffee. Yeah, of course. They didn't even yeah. go in the traps. They're in the coffee. <laughs> in the so coffee. I told everybody, leave your old coffee out. With You have to have sweetener in it. Whatever you know? works, right? Right. So because all those other things didn't work. 
But so, but then actually we did it with adding Dawn liquid and mm. not covering. And so there was about as many in, in that trap as they were in my coffee Well, cup. and, and <laughs> they're just talking about these little bitty flying fungus gnats that are more of a nuisance than they are really a problem. And a lot of times these fungus gnats are coming from the soil of our houseplants, especially the soil that we're keeping too wet. Or houseplants that really have heavy soil and it just doesn't drain like it should, but it's still staying too wet. That's usually the catalyst mm-hmm. for an outbreak of fungus yeah. gnats. And you mentioned that product, Veda, called Mosquito Bits. Mosquito bits are like these little granules that like you can... Like granolas. Yeah. Now, normally we sprinkle smik- mosquito bits, <laughs> mosquito, <laughs> mosquito, <laughs> mosquito bits into bodies of water to kill the mosquito larva. But you can also sprinkle these mosquito bits in the soil of house plants to kill, there again, the larva of the fungus gnats that are in these plants. But the biggest thing to take away from that is don't overwater your plants. Wet soil is there again mm-hmm. the catalyst of these fungus gnats. Right, right. Because it was like there's no way we'll get um, fungus gnats in the garden uh, area where the plants are because we're definitely not overwatering exactly. those. There's so many to water that, oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, ah. But uh, moisture meter again, moisture meter goes a long way. That's a really good thing to use. So house plants are... Something great to do right now, now since uh, we're not gardening outside as much. But but they're also, you know, these beautiful houseplants that, that a lot of times we take outside in the spring, we bring them in in the fall, okay? And they're still inside now, or they better be. We'll talk about at some point spider mites that are on houseplants and what can you do because they are, they're inside yeah. now. Right, right. All right, we'll be back. We've got another hour of great information. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good. Good morning. (laughs) I can't hear. There there we go. All right. Good morning. Jim, you want to do this? My thing's going in and out. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening, hour number three. Uh, we got Veda and Kenneth and me still here, but we have, uh, 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 um, why are you waving at me, Kenneth? I'm, I'm waving at the camera up there behind okay. you, Jim. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what does he want? <laughs> we're, we're lucky this morning. My, my good friend, um, Kyle McLean. And Your from, only friend. Now, you didn't have to say <laughs> that out loud. See, Jim, that I... Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, if we go off the air, he may clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Kyle McLean, from the, who is the Assistant Director of Horticulture at the Memphis Botanic Garden. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he's here. He has he has walked the entire garden to get uh, his perspective point, perspective of what got damaged, how bad things he's surprised about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there were some questions that we were going to d- just you know put him on the spot and see mm-hmm. what he thinks about them. So welcome, Kyle. We're glad you're here this morning. Yeah, welcome, Kyle. Good morning to you. And you're right. That is the big elephant in the room right now. Is you know, the flash freeze that we had and how much damage is out there. We all, we've all seen the damage, but how much of that damage is, is truly going to be a problem, you yeah. know? Um, so what's your overall take 
because we know the at the Botanic Gardens is such a diverse That's landscape. Right. I figured nobody in this exactly. town has seen more types mm. of plants yeah. and the damage than Kyle McLean. Yeah. yeah. Good so, thinking, Jim. Thanks uh, for getting Kyle up yeah, here. I, Thank you, know. you for joining us, Kyle. Glad to be here. Uh, i tell you what's really surprised me is seeing um, a lot of the Latifolia hybrid hollies, um, the red holly, if you remember, mm-hmm. those came out like Liberty and Patriot, um, oak leaf. Oh, they've almost defoliated. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. uh, black leaves on our Liberty hollies. And mm-hmm. so that surprised me some because, our, of course, our native yopons look great. Yeah. And, You're right. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of our other attenuata hollies like mm-hmm. Foster and all that look untouched. But those really took a... a yeah, go ahead, Cal. Uh, I took, say, a, he, he, took a he hit from this. the freeze. <laughs> and the thing I was going to say is I've never, ever seen that happen to hollies in my life. Yeah. Now, you know, maybe I was too young at one point when it did happen. I just, But I've never seen that happen before. And uh, I want to say something here. If you say elephant in the room and point at me uh-huh. one more time. Well, I was thinking I'm, you were talking about Kyle. <laughs> and I was about table. to say... <laughs> I swear, I was like, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and we just introduced Kyle. So, so Kyle, what do you think about those those, uh, hollies, though, buddy? Well, the good thing is the leaves are falling off. If they were holding on, like Mm -hmm. the distillum, which are holding their leaves, Uh. you know, actually, I'll just tell you about distillum. We have linebacker and uh, more upright and vintage jade. Mm -hmm. I actually lay down on the ground and went underneath and scratched the bark as far down, and I'm not seeing any green right now. See, that's horrible because— You think the roots are dead also? I don't know. You know, we had a mulched, so mm-hmm. hopefully that will uh, help protect some, but it, it, uh, it does not look good okay. as far as. So that's, that's a wait and see. On, and you're saying maybe all the varieties of distillium that's out there yeah. that you're seeing a good bit of damage on that, and you've done the little scratch test, and you're not seeing any green even in the limbs of these plants. I'm not, and I actually went back into the canopy of the plant to see, like we have some in our live garden, um, kind of a hedge along our living wall, and I'm not seeing <laughs> any green leaves. And See, and, that, and that's the one, you know, it's really only gained popularity in, what, the last 20 years or so, and then in the last five or more there have been just seems like every year three or four varieties there has been so you know this really hasn't been any experience to see how hardy these things really are well but say this though jim a lot of you know a couple years ago when all the indian hawthorns were were nailed Mm -hmm. because of cold weather and then people are tired of trying to grow autolucan laurels for the the right reasons you know the the drainage issues and the root rot and the uh, shot, shot hole disease, disease yeah. you know, so they're getting rid of those plants that they just don't want to deal with, and they're replacing them with these distilliums. Right. Uh, and now, maybe that we're going to see all this damage from this last cold spell even happen to them. Well, we had ours in the greenhouse, and I pulled them out right after all that was over, and you know, looked at the forecast to see what was going to happen. And there's nothing, no damage at all on those in the greenhouse. Our plants were all close together. But no damage so far. Good Lord. So, Cal, so you're so you're actually walking through the Botanic Gardens. I mean, every all ninety something acres. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it took a while. I uh, I'll say the the latifolia hollies. We have a, some really nice specimens in our arboretum. I had but, asked him particularly check because yeah. John Pierce, who is my wife's uncle, planted those in the fifties. I'll be darned. Uh, you know, when Durr was here, he was he thought that was the best thing on the property. Latifolias. So, uh, so. You know, I was curious to see how they fared, and, the, and they look great. 
That's they, the magnolias look great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, now that's you know that's surprising because there's one next door to me that it, I mean it looks dead. I mean it's solid brown. Uh, but but it is a young plant too. Yeah. Yeah. I will say normally fall is the best time to plant, but I've seen that a lot of newly planted plants that we put in mm-hmm. got really damaged. Yeah. Yeah. We had some um, osmanthus that herophilus, the goshiki mm-hmm. that they all those have we had some that have been there ten years in our uh, sculpture garden that all are defoliating uh, and look, look Well that was gonna bad. be my two that was that was one of my questions is what did we think about the sweet olive, mm-hmm. the osmanthus? Because Everyone that I've seen, the foliage is just toast on it. Uh, but don't, I mean, what, do we think they're going to fare pretty well? I hope, you know, I, I was looking to see our, um, the San Jose, the Fortunia ones looked really bad. We have some real big ones that are like 8 to 10 feet. They do not look good. And the fragrance that we have in the back that are yeah. kind of protected, they don't look good either. So Yeah, my, uh, my Fortunia started dying three years ago we had the ice storm it bent the trunks over so far mm-hmm. now they sprouted in the spring but they begin to slowly die back and they've been losing a trunk or two every year and <clears throat> so in the fall i cut everything but two trunks back and now i'm gonna cut those two trunks back. <laughs> hey, well, let me ask a question then guys and tell me what y'all think Let's say when spring comes around, and let's say the osmanthus, for example, which we love because of that wonderful fragrance, and even the nice-looking evergreen attribute of the shrub itself. Let's say if they don't come back, okay, and even a lot of this distillium you're talking about, Cal, they don't come back. Are we going to say, okay, you know, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime kind of flash freeze that we get, and I'm going to replant with the same plant? Are we going to look back mm-hmm. and go, you know what? I'm not going to take this chance that's again. That's funny you said that because that's exactly what I was going to say. I was you looking know, around all the plants right. that didn't get hit, and I thought, okay, that's just all I'm going to plant. And then I decided, like, like we don't do this all the time, so it's not worth not planting something, right. waiting for 50 years for the weather to turn back. You know, like so, and that's the way I feel about it. I mean, because I'm— I'm not going to not plant a sweet olive because mm-hmm. it got potentially killed one winter right. in my lifetime, you know? So I just I just wonder what the, the attitude is going to be for people because I'm like you. Now, if I had 40 distilliums out there and they're all 40 dead as a hammer, yeah. they're not going to come back then I would be a little hesitant about going back in there and planting those. Haven't we been telling people for a long time, don't plant monoculture. Don't plant 40 of one thing, because if something happens, you're going to lose them all. But remember, we've had two events like this in the last three years. So good, we're over it then. (laughs) And I think we're going to see more of this as we're moving south as far as Mm zone-wise. You know, and I think we'll be more inclined to plant borderline plants. You know, I read an article just this weekend. I'd ask him, ask Kyle about palms. They list sago palm now as a zone 7B plant. You know, (laughs) I'm having a little trouble with that. Now, I know a guy who plants one, but each has one in the ground, but each year he. Pulls all the foliage up, wraps mm-hmm. it in in basically insulation about sure does. twelve inches mm-hmm. thick, yeah. and it comes through just fine. He uncovers it in the spring. But a lot of people wouldn't do that, Jim. Um, you know, yeah. I think when we start talking about this, people got to really take more into consideration. Is it hardy here? But does it like our soil? And that's where we're killing palms and stuff by planting them in soil that doesn't drain well. Mm-hmm. Now, windmills, you know, they like soil that is drains really, really well. I mean, mm-hmm. they like sandy. But you know, my needle palms will grow in mud. Yeah. You know? 
So we we need to go a little deeper into thinking: Is this plant hardy here? But it does it really like? Yeah. So being it's not here? just the will it take our winters. Yeah. It's cool. also will it take our oh, heavy clay our soil? soil. Thing, you know, yeah, the yeah. soil. Okay, we're going to go to a break, and we come back. We've got Kyle with us from Tannic Gardens, and he's going to give us some more information on what he's seen. And we'll be right back after these messages. And welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Okay, we're in hour number three, and we are so happy to have Kyle McLean the uh, Assistant Director of Horticulture at the Memphis Botanic Garden, and he, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, the damage they've seen there. So you were talking about the parking lot, the new parking lot you put in. Yeah, we we expanded our parking lot. It used to be our little pine grove that we had our plant cells and picnic area, mm-hmm. and we planted um, drift roses, which they look, they're a little damaged, but they look pretty good, and some, uh, we planted kaleidoscope abelias, and they're completely mm-hmm. defoliated all the way down. The uh, if you're familiar with Parnia Catoniaster, which I love, they look so good this fall with the berries. They're totally brown. And, mm. the, and then we had Lady Banks Rose on the fence, and they took a lot of damage. Oh, yeah. um, we had Blue Pacific Juniper, um, the golden form mm-hmm. that uh, we had gotten from uh, Vander Geesen, if you know him, out, yep. out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this was a, a golden uh, form juniper, of blue, yeah, blue Pacific, which is beautiful and more of a low growing kind of ground cover type juniper. Correct, and all of our other junipers, we got some parsonii in there. Those mm-hmm. look fine, but those the ones the uh, foliage that was out into the parking lot, like uh, on the asphalt mm-hmm. that it creeped out, it got burned. But the ones in the beds look uh, the the foliage that was in the bed looks pretty good. Yeah, uh, so I noticed the English ivy mm-hmm. on the ground. Looks good, but if it's up on a wall mm-hmm. or uh, an exposed, mm-hmm. I saw race, that firsthand the other day. Yeah. yeah, so you're making me feel better, Kyle, about my landscape at home. I mean, it's not as diverse as the botanic garden, okay? And I've got some damage out there, but my lord, walking through the botanic garden like Kyle has been doing and seeing all this damage. I hate to say it, but it's making me feel yeah. better. So, I bet um, it's emotional, <laughs> kind of emotional in a it, way. It it's is job security for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, happy. Our hope is that a lot of things will leaf out. They may be damaged down to a certain extent. You know, when we had that last freeze, we had snow cover. Mm-hmm. So we in our in that parking lot, we did two groupings of um, rosemary, and we used we really <clears throat> worked on getting good drainage because you know in the winter you want it to drain well. Well, that first, the snow cover, everything under the snow was still alive, but above it had mm-hmm. been burned off. We cut it all back. We had our interns cut it back, and it came back out nice. It's completely mm-hmm. gone See, because it didn't have Same. that snow cover, that insulation on it yeah. this time around. Okay, i got to ask you one. My favorite plant in the entire garden, that whale's tongue agave, how does it look? It looks fine. Yes. Okay. I went and looked at that uh, as well, and it looks Okay, and I planted, good. planted one in my, of course, you know, just a little tiny thing when I got it. It's up old foot across or so it doesn't look very good um so i'm a little concerned maybe it's because this one was more established at the well i'm sure that's part of it and his is wrapped totally in concrete around there that ground's warmer you know i planted mine in an area i planted an elevated bed and i put a huge slab rock on the east side of it so first thing in the morning that would heat up and warm that soil Mm -hmm. up and it's done quite well i mean it really grew you know i've had it in there a couple of years but it looks a little it's Mm -hmm. shaped beautiful but it just looks and feels a little mushy but i cut my prickly pear cactus which all collapsed Uh in this Mm -hmm. took all the old growth off 
and uh, and the the stems at the, at the ground they're mm-hmm. firm. They look good. I think they're going to come right back. Are out. you covering that up for protection after no, you cut it? Just no, it no. Seal. On those, I just left yeah. them open. I did, like I said, we cleaned up our crinums, mm-hmm. and I did cover those with leaves again. <clears throat> uh, but most things, I mean, you know, perennials are coming back, gangbusters already. You know, mm-hmm. sedums are sprouting at the ground, yeah. and it's great. So, so Cal, question to you, sir. I know y'all have a lot of Japanese maples over there at the uh, on the grounds of the Botanic Garden. And we all know what happened to a lot of the Japanese maples, even last year, Jim, or year before we last year. We had some last year and then in the you fall know, of 2019. Where they flushed out in the spring, and then summer came, and they, they started to collapse. They just started to die back because of those micro-lesions that were in the trunks of these trees because of the cold weather. And like Jim was saying, the sun came out, and it caused these cracks and these lesions in the trunks. What do you? What's your gut feeling on a lot of these Japanese maples after after this extreme cold that we had? It's hard to tell. You know, I, th- I thought about that walking around looking at like our crates. We have a lot of crate myrtles. Right. All these things that are deciduous. It's hard to tell if there's what kind of damage yeah, right. there is. Mm-hmm. Figs. We got a lot of figs on our property, mm-hmm. right. and you're thinking those are probably all the way to the ground, frozen. But it's hard to tell. I, I did look at some of the Japanese maples, and all of ours had defoliated already. Right. So that. That's a good sign right. they weren't green. And so um, we'll see how that plays out. I guess, I mean, I mean when everybody's been saying, hey, we just have to wait and see. And I guess mm-hmm. that's really the best information right yeah. now is we really do have to just kind of wait and see right. what's going to happen this spring on a lot of these things. Because like Kyle was just saying, we don't know right yeah, now. Yeah, this sweet lady coming in the garden center and she was talking about it. And she goes, I know. They said we got to wait and see. We have to wait and see for three <laughs> months. I can't wait and see. I yep. want two of those right now. <laughs> well, I had a guy come into the garden center, and this is a true story, just the other day. He was ready to go ahead and start cutting everything back and digging some stuff mm-hmm. up that looked dead. And I'm yeah, like, hang yeah, on just a second, yeah. you know. A lot of these plants that look dead, I mean, Mm -hmm. the foliage is is toast, they're cooked, but that doesn't mean that the plant is dead. Wait two or three months, like you're talking about, Veda, let's see what comes out this spring, and then we can either go in there and clean them up by cutting out the dead tissue, and then some things I'm sure we'll have to go in there and dig up and replace, but he was ready to do it now. And I'm thinking, hang on. What's your thought on fertilizing now? Don't fertilize now. You know, you wait till the new growth comes out and, and then, but I don't think you should put a bunch of high nitrogen push, like you were saying on those maples, you yeah. push out all this foliage, it's going to stress the tree. Yeah. So I think you wait until new growth comes out and, you so, know, mm-hmm. 1266 or even right. some kind of one of the tones that's a little lower in nitrogen and, and not force out a bunch of foliage. That's, yeah. that's what I think. And so have you looked at your turf? What do you think about how turf has survived? Well, in the fall, we <clears throat> we cut the, uh, especially the zoysia, a little bit higher so that there's some cover. And mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, it is completely dormant right now. Yeah, it uh, is. Normally you'll have green in that, that yeah. zoysia yeah. exposed. Mm-hmm. Bermuda had already. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm concerned about that a little bit too, but it looks that it was already pretty dormant as you know, I don't think I've seen on. a completely dormant yard here until I, maybe this exactly, year. Exactly, but I do yeah. remember yeah. years ago when we had a, a cold spell similar to this. Uh, a lot of the, I think it was more the Bermuda than even the zoysia yeah. in the golf course fairways. I mean, it was just killed out. Yeah, I mean, eight degrees, you can start losing uh, Bermuda. And its survival depends on how tall you left it. Each one of those little nodes, although it looks brown, there's green chlorophyll inside mm-hmm. there. And as you keep cutting those off, the lower you cut it, the less energy it's got. And, to and I'm guilty of that because I like that nice 
close crop manicured look mm. and i do know that it's you know in the winter i typically cut it a little higher and, and leave that little insulation blanket if you will uh on there for the winter but uh you know i didn't do it this fall i kept cutting it at the, at the same level i did all summer oh. um i didn't raise the lawnmower notch or the wheels like i normally do so like you said we'll have to wait and see if i actually <laughs> You know, did some damage to my lawn by not raising that that blade yeah, and up a little bit. I'm also curious about you know we've we know that pre-emerge has pruned the roots of these things. In, back in well, mid '80s, when we had all the golf course greens die because we never expected it to go to minus eight or something. Right. Um, the people who had not done anything to their yard, didn't fertilize, didn't do anything but mow it, their turf came through just lovely. Mm-hmm. It was everybody that had put fertilizer been fertilized repeatedly yeah. they cut it too low and they, and they put pre-emerge kind of doing the right thing the jim root. you know what we thought was yeah. the right, right thing, but they're all their turf died so yeah. you know you got the neighbor here who does nothing and his grass looks great <laughs> and you worked your butt off and your grass oh, is dead that's infuriating <laughs> yeah. well so i've also uh it makes sense to me and heard that if you have a lot of sand if you use a lot of sand in your bermuda yard to level it that you have a better chance of winter damage than if you had to use compost Mm -hmm. because compost is warmer than sand and so i've heard people's gotten winter damage because of that Mm. possibly well all i can say about that that is i did years ago at my old house had a dump truck load of sand brought over because i wanted to kind of level my yard i just Mm -hmm. wanted happy with the the undulations I had in my front and side and backyard. And and then when I got done, my whole yard, honest to God, Kyle, looked like a beach. It really did. But the Bermuda came out and it yeah, grew right, right over. Right, right. But I but I promised myself and here's the here's the underlying thing I wanted to get at is I promised myself I would never, ever, ever do that again after that first time. Right. Okay. Right. You know, because of the freezing and all. No, because I had a dump truck load of sand in my front yard that I had to get moved. And if you've never done it before, you know, you're thinking, ah, piece of cake. Hey, bud, three years ago, I moved 40,000 pounds of soil, uh, about 30,000 pounds of rock, all with a wheelbarrow and a shovel. I never did see a picture of you doing that. So there. I don't want to hear about your whining over a little bit of sand. (laughs) (laughs) No sympathy up here whatsoever. So anyway... We've got a caller, but we're going to wait till after the break to yeah. get Paul. Y'all, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, I was, I was just say, say at the garden we get to borrow the golf's big uh, spreader, sand spreader that has like a conveyor belt, oh. throws it fifteen feet out, and see so, now you're just oh. just. Uh, nice. <laughs> Kyle out there, you know, uh, when they were planting those uh, Sasanko camellias all back there, how do the, any of those look good? Mm-hmm. After I didn't think so. <laughs> our tea, even our tea camellias do yeah. not look good. The uh, None of the camellias. What's a tea, tea camellia? Is like a, a native one? Is that what a tea it, camellia? That's com- what tea is made from. Well, camellia yeah, sinensis. Yeah. Or you just uh, call it tea camellia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so it, it they but took a, I saw him uh, planting those. Mm-hmm. Nobody plants faster and harder than this man. Really? Well, but let me, I believe Kyle, it. you're saying that, and we talked about this in the first hour, how some of these marginal plants are going to take a bigger hit than some of the plants that are truly, really extremely hardy around here. Camellias was one of them. Whether it's Japonica, Sasanquas, or what the Sinensis you're talking about, you're saying that there could be a lot of damage on these camellias. Well, all the leaves are brown on them, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think there's going to be some damage for sure. I don't yeah. know how much. Uh, in our Japanese garden, as you go through, we had a lot of Sasanquas on the outside. All those do not look good. So. I was telling them earlier, you know, I've got Sasanquas that are over the roof of the house, and I'm going to cut them back hard anyway pretty soon. 
if they leafed out at the top, they're going to shade the bottom now. Right. They're not going to have any foliage back there, so I'm just going to go ahead and cut them back hard and let them start over from three or four feet tall. But I guess, how we won't know really the extent of the damage until the spring. There again, everybody's going to have to be a little patient. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. And, Paul, if you want to hang on, we'll get you after the break. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're in our third hour and so glad y'all are here with us. We have Kyle with us here at the Botanic Gardens, but we're going to go to Paul calling in from Bartlett. Good morning, Paul. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning, Veda, Kenneth, Jim, and Kyle. Good to hear y'all this morning. Hey, Mr. Paul. I tell you what, Mr. Paul, you just made my day. I'm telling you, because when I don't hear from you for a little while... Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not the same, Mr. Paul. Well, if you'd look at your Facebook page, you'd see that handsome I, man. I, I, I go to Mid-South <laughs> Gardening, and I see Mr. Paul in there from time to time. But, Mr. Paul, Happy New Year to you, buddy, and it's always, always good to hear from you. I'm sorry, Mr. Paul. we just got some people that are part-time gardeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Happy New Year to all of y'all, and it's great to hear y'all. And, uh <clears throat> Well, I know that you have a you have a job ahead of you out at mm-hmm. the garden, but I I know that you got people out there that'll get it taken care of, mm-hmm. and it's good to hear you on the radio this morning. And Jim, glad you're back. Thank you, sir. And, and Mr. Paul, I got a question. As far as the you know the flash freeze that we had that came through here, and a lot of these plants just can't take that. Of course, we're seeing the you know the damage out there. What about the sedums in particular, Mr. Paul? Have you heard anything? Because I haven't heard anybody call me and complain about their sedums dying because of this flash well, freeze we had. No, there's some of the, there's some of the more tender ones that's probably gonna, you know, gonna be uh, winter kill. Mm-hmm. But most of the the hardy ones and most of the ones we grow here are hardy too in our zone and even colder. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be fine, but. Uh, I noticed Jim said that his lemon ball was doing good. I lost my lemon ball, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw a picture you posted. I, I'm trying to find it. It was a sedum that was like white, kind of white with red on it. Let me see. Where is it? You told me this. One I've never seen before, a sedum. That Mr. Paul yeah, had posted Mr. on Facebook on the Mid South yeah. Gardening Facebook page. Yeah, do you remember which one that was? I, I do. I do not remember. Oh, it's white with green in it. That's it. And I it think looks she's like, talking about uh, that. Yeah. Go ahead. Very, yeah, the variegated sedum. That line, it's linear variegatum. It's uh, it looks just like the sermentosa, the you know the old fashioned sedum, but it's real hardy. But it won't stay evergreen. It'll go down to the. Mm persistent buds mm-hmm. that are right at the ground level but it's fine i just checked it when i was in the greenhouse a while ago now what about overall your landscape mr paul is it kind of like what kyle's talking about at the botanic gardens that you know you go you walk through there you see these things that are just completely brown and you just hope they're not dead and then you see some of these other things that are perfectly green you know i mean i guess yeah, well well what i'm noticing now is think a major is black Wow. wow, and I haven't I haven't ever seen that happen before. And I've got Euonymus coloratus back here yeah. that you can't kill, and it's black. Wow, and the uh, the creeping buttercup is up already, and it'll be it'll be blooming next week if uh, 
you know, if the weather stays warm. <laughs> right? This is so true. We're going to get all seasons again in a week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That well, sedum that you were talking about there is, uh, is out of my yard. That's Atlanta. Oh, it, that was your yard? Yeah. No wonder Mr. Paul it, is confused. It's been, it was introduced <laughs> oh, a couple it, of years ago, and it, it, you yeah. know, at the top of it was dead, but mm-hmm. around the base, you know, it looks really good. I love well, that, that one. That's, uh, th- yeah, that's one of those. Uh, that's a completely winter hardy, I think. Well, Paul, we hope and pray that your landscape, like everybody else's, most of it comes back out. Um, you know, we're, and like Cal was saying, you know, one of the the things that people don't want to hear or they're just it's hard to hear is, hey, we have to wait and see. And a lot I of know. people are so impatient, including myself. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm the first one in line. But we truly going to have to wait and see mm-hmm. what's going to flush back out and what isn't at this point. It's going to test our patience, and that's what we got to do because there's a whole lot of stuff that we think may be gone. English ivy is even black, and I've never seen it black right, before. Right. Yeah, my glacier yeah. ivy is that's wintered in containers for 15 years, and it's always been evergreen, and it is. Yeah. It looks dead. Yeah. Well, Jim, you got that little jasmine that nobody else has. Probably you probably have the only piece of it in the in the county. That little, <laughs> uh, whatever that little variegated jasmine is, that's yeah. a great plant, though. It is, but right now, and I mean, it's uh, it, it's burned really bad. Yeah, so we'll wait, we'll wait and see. But Mr. Paul, if you ever need any help cutting things back, if you ever need any help taking sedums off your hand and moving them from one point to another, for example, if you need people to move sedum from your greenhouse, like to my house, you just right. let me know. Yeah, you call Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have a whole lot of things that need moved, but it ain't sedum. It's like. It's like all of these trees back here. Uh, you know. Anyway, it's great to hear y'all this morning. Thanks good to hear from you, Paul. That y'all do from the garden. We love you, Paul, Thanks, and Paul. happy New Year, buddy. Thanks for love the call. I wanted to ask Kyle about bamboo. Uh, what do you think? Well, our uh, you know the arrow bamboo, the um, pseudosassa is all brown or or light tan color where it had froze back and it had got damaged in that freeze we had a couple years ago Mm -hmm. here so we'll see it'll come back i think it'll come back from the roots i hope the uh robert young that's at the red red bridge um the thousakis it 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 also got some damage and i have some robert young at my my house that uh also i mean who would who would think that bamboo in fact Mm-hmm. And Mark, hang on just a second. Had a lady call me and wanted to thank Mother Nature, and I said, "What do yeah, you mean?" Yeah, right, right. She said, "Because I think I killed the bamboo yeah. for me." And I said, "Look, well, I think you're in for a surprise." Yeah, yeah me too. I said, "We are seeing a lot of defoliation on bamboo, like we are everything else." I said, "But I don't think it's killed that yeah, bamboo." I was going to say, I bet there's some people that disagree with hoping it didn't die back. All right, let's go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. You're in the Mid South Garden. Thanks for the call. Good morning, and thanks uh, very much for talking about. Uh, uh, the winter storm we had, yeah. we have about uh, 12 uh, holly trees that lined the back fence. And all of a sudden one day, the leaves just, about half of them just fell off. They fell off green. And uh, the birds, you know, quit <laughs> quit coming and eating the berries. The berries are now dark. And uh, so I guess my question is, um, all the leaves that have fallen, should we leave those down there for some type of cover? in case we get another round, or what do you think about that? I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever, Mark, honestly, at this you know this stage of the game. 
for aesthetic reasons, a lot of people will go ahead and just blow those leaves out of there uh, just to clean it up. But it's not going to hurt to leave them there either. Uh, I would really recommend that you do get them out of there on any plant that might have had a horrible fungal problem, say, last year, whether it's mildew, leaf spot, or whatever. Or scale. Or scale insects. That's yeah. right. If you, if you know you had a fungal or insect problem, I would go ahead and try to get those leaves out of there. If that's not the case, if they were just green holly leaves and they're laying there, it doesn't matter one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, because they fell green. They didn't. They didn't turn colors. They just mm-hmm. one they day just fell, fell right off, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But like Kyle was, for, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. Well, they've been there for 15 years, and we've never had a problem with them before. Right. Well, like Kyle was saying, it's not a bad thing to see leaves falling off like that uh, after this crazy weather that we just went through, uh, because I mean, it's the foliage that took the brunt. Uh, of of the damage. I mean, that's the first thing that we're going to see damage on, of course, is the foliage. And most of the foliage out there, evergreens, uh, hollies in, in, included, uh, they took the brunt of that, and they the foliage is going to fall off these plants. But you don't have to get those leaves up, or you can leave them there. It makes no difference. Okay. One other quick question. Uh, did, did the freeze kill out all the privet? <laughs> no, sir, just like we talked about the bamboo. Mother Nature's not going to be that kind to us, okay? I wish. Yeah. No, that privet's right. going to be just fine, Mark. Well, thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. Y'all have a great show. You Thanks too, for buddy. calling. Thanks for the call. Uh-huh. All right, we're going to head to a break, and then uh, we're going to finish off with Kyle giving us some more information. But but did you have a comment on that, the privet? I'll just, well, no, I'll say on the hollies that uh, a lot of times when they're stressed, they will drop their leaves to protect the plant. And oh, so, okay. um, of course, it's a little different with the freeze, but uh, it's a better sign that they fell off than right. if they just hang on there. Right. Oh, good. So. That's good to know. Poor wildlife, though. Where are they going to hide? There's enough we evergreens can... still out there. They'll find a place Maybe later. Maybe so. Okay. Yeah. What well, I say, you want to support wildlife, throw a party. <laughs> Just so you guys up, are just. just what so 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 wrong with you people? <laughs> that was funny. No, 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 you made me support like wildlife wild girl. parties, oh, wildlife. God, it took me a minute. That's why we were quiet for a moment. Well, that's the same as the gravity joke. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't let the book down. No. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're here for, uh, we got about another 15 minutes or so, and we're going to kind of let Kyle take this and run. Uh, he, we're going to talk a little bit about the <coughs> ornamental cherries. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, uh, his thoughts on um, hydrangeas and, and anything else that he wants to uh, bring to our attention. So so we do. We have a lot of um, Yoshino cherries planted on the property. Of course, Cherry Road is lined with them. Mm. I looked at them. They look fine. You know, they were already had dropped their leaves. The buds looked viable to me. So I'm hoping that we'll have a good spring flush of blooms. Uh, and yes, that's good. Our uh, autumnalis, you know, that bloom twice, boom in the spring and fall, those were in full bloom when they this freeze came. And so yeah. they've been blooming. But the uh, hydrangeas, you know, um, hmm. Don't look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see a lot of viable buds. Or probably, you know, the macrophiles. You probably have to cut them back mm-hmm. pretty heavily, maybe all the way to the ground, and let them come out. And you won't have any blooms. Um, That's maybe. what we were talking about earlier. That 
Yeah, don't expect a lot of the pinks and blues yeah. out there to, to, to show bloom this year. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see how the remontant, the ones that rebloomers, if they'll rebloom mm-hmm. later on in the year mm-hmm. uh, with on some of the new new wood if they come out from the roots. But, I, you know, your, um, some of the other ones that bloom on new wood, you probably would cut those back anyway, but you, mm-hmm. all the way to the ground. And, and a lot of these new hybrids like Endless Summers and Penny Max and all those, I mean, most of the ones you buy now – typically bloom on old and new wood so it'd be like you said it'd be interesting to see but i have a question there how good of second bloom do you get on the new wood uh it's a scattering of blooms it's kind of like the encores you 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 don't get this big flush Mm -hmm. but it is nice if you're walking through and you see blooms here and there and Mm -hmm. and so it's it's not like the spring where everything's covered in blooms but it's still a very attract in the fall or late summer or whatever it looks good all right so the worst case scenario is the the old-fashioned ball-shaped hydrangeas uh they might have been killed to the ground and we'll know there again this spring on what flushes out and if it's killed to the ground we just go in there and just cut them back at ground level let them come back out and just see if we get any blooms whatsoever is that right? And what about azaleas, Kyle? I mean, because, you know, there's 8 billion azaleas here in this city. There is. You know, uh, we look going around, we've got some George Tabers um, around the front of our building, the front around the back, and those, the old foliage is pretty brown. But looking at the buds, they had some of the, uh, I guess the foliage that covers the buds was still green. Mm-hmm. And when you pull all that back, the bud looks intact. So hmm. we'll see if it damaged the wood. And if those will bloom out, but to, it's nice to see that the blooms looked uh, viable. So, so overall, on, on most of the azaleas that we've seen, yeah, we're seeing all this horrible damage on the foliage, and we're seeing a lot of it. But the integrity of the plant uh, should, so far, <laughs> is going to looks like it's going to be okay. It does, and it's similar to that. All of our evergreen viburnums are now deciduous. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And that, uh, that, that awabuki, the, the chindo, the, mm-hmm. it really took a hit. But the buds look pretty good, yeah. so I think that they'll just put foliage back Isn't on. Isn't it amazing how Mother Nature works? It's the the foliage can be Completely dropped off, burned. And, but the buds are still hanging on. And you remember a couple of years ago, we lost flowers on paper bush, but my paper bush looked great. Uh-huh. I mean, it looks like it's going to flower. So I was real surprised at that. Interesting. Well, what about the boxwoods? I mean, I've, was there I've certain seen varieties that were yellow or, or the winter damage, or was there more winter damage on boxwoods? Well, tell me if I'm wrong. What I'm seeing on my just old fashioned wintergreen boxwood, and they're tough as everything. Mm-hmm. You can't kill the dang things if you tried. But I did some shearing on those uh, back in the, in say, mid fall, okay? Mm-hmm. And they did you know, shoot out a little new growth. So mine, they've, I've got some brown tissue on them, Cal, um, but it looks like it was just that brand new yeah. tissue that was really burned back. Um, so that's a good thing that I'm looking at. That's exactly the same at, at the garden, too, that we had some of those larger, we have some big hedges like around our uh, iris garden that some of that new growth got burned back right. with older foliage. And then a lot of our little dwarf um, that we have like in our sculpture garden and our herb garden, they They're look fine. really good. Yeah. Good Lord. All right, anything else, Kyle? I mean, because I know this is just a scratching of the surface on the different uh, material, plant material that you'll have at the at the gardens. But going forward, I mean, if people are listening right now, I mean, just what do they take away from this? Just be patient. I mean, is that is that the name of the game right now? Be patient and don't 
it's hard not to be a little discouraged and and seeing the growth. But you know, when that new growth comes out, hopefully, and a lot of stuff that that will cheer people up in the spring. I will say the Yoshino cryptomerias and the Globosas. You know, the Yoshino. I have it three in my yard. They um, they're bred. They're, that cultivar is supposed to not bronze in the winter, but they are totally bronze. Mm-hmm. So you you know, most conifers except for like yews, new growth does not come back below you know in the in the old wood back there and so um mm-hmm. some of our cami cypress the variegated ones some of our variegated boxwood got mm-hmm. damaged pretty heavily but uh some of the other conifers that we had that i got the momi fir which is an asian fir it looks beautiful see you, that's you crazy. want a fir get that fir that's a, a nice fir to have so, but, it, so. It, it, the what's what fir did momi momi m-o-m-y m-o-m-i-e i believe but it, it, but, it's, but and it's not and it it doesn't fine. mind our heat, no, obviously, because you've got to grow great. We there. have it outside our herb garden and in our Asian garden, and it looked just like the Blue Atlas Cedars. All right, I'm touch, looking so. for that one. Yeah, that I'm, sounds I'm nice. I'm good to know about that. I'm glad to know about that one. But I've noticed the same thing, that a lot of the, you know, the pine trees, the cedars, uh, you know, the arbovitas, those type of plants, I mean, they're perfectly fine. But cryptomeria, which I love cryptomeria. In fact, it's one of my favorite evergreen trees, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Uh, everyone that I've seen, they look like they are just like they were went through a forest fire. They are just toast as far as the foliage. But there again, hopefully they're just going to drop those needles and flush yeah. out new growth this spring. I don't know why I just thought about this one, but the hookera has that died to the ground? I wonder. I can't imagine I, it not. I know the corbels, the hookera. Um, I, I guarantee that the the. Um, um, Sarcococa, sweet box, yeah. those yeah. got damaged pretty heavily. Um, oh. I've noticed that, and of course the hellebores oh, yeah. are going to die down. But that foliage, all that that was still there, that was a lot of it was still green. It it really got damaged, mm-hmm. and so so that's what we were talking about earlier, Cal. That it's not only the trees and shrubs; it's a lot of the perennials and the ground covers that were evergreen, that typically are evergreen. How they just got nuked, also. So is I mean nothing was really spared, to be honest right. with you. Now. Yeah, we can look around and see that there are some plants that can take, you know, extreme cold weather. And they, they were just fine. But there again, where we live and the zone that we're in and the plants that we're trying to grow, they're not used to zero-degree weather, you know, and it's showing now. So, Man, I cannot believe how cold it was. It was so cold that you would go outside and didn't know you were cold. <laughs> it numbed you that fast. I've had that many drinks. Yeah. Oh, that could be bad. <laughs> so I just just told everything, and so if you so the best thing is just leave the shovel alone right now as far as digging what you think dead material up. Leave it alone because we don't know if it's dead. Leave the pruners in the shelf right now. It's not a good time of year to go out there and prune, uh, Cal. And the reason being, well, you're, you're trying to find the new and old growth may be hard to do, and then also you're exposing the plant to more mm-hmm. uh, a later freeze. The same thing with the fertilizer. Don't go in and stress the plant out trying to get growth out. You just need yeah. to wait until the spring when it would naturally. So I've got out. a half a bag of urea right now. It's not a good <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. So after this show, I have two plants we're going to plant in containers out front. Mm-hmm. So I timed this out really out well, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, the, cool. um, because the cabbage. We know the cabbage, know cabbage yeah. is gone. We know that's not going to come back. And so it's going to be the uh, false cypress, just small one. I can't remember which one it is. 
But we're going to go ahead and plant some containers today because the front of the building doesn't look good with two mushy cabbages in front. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to do stuff like that. We're, we we're are. Fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm hoping. So I'm saying this on air. Jim, so you know, Jim. Remember, I, told, I got a house call to make after this. <laughs> oh, I forgot. You mean your house? No. Oh. <laughs> well, Kyle, I mean, and Veda and Jim, I mean, we, we all say this together, that we hope and pray that everything is really in better shape than it looks because we know how everything looks out there. And, Kyle, even at the Botanic Gardens, I mean, y'all work so hard every day to make it what it is, and people do love it, including myself. And we hope and pray that, you know, the, the flora fauna over there, you know, is going to be okay for the most part. Uh, but like I was telling a young lady yesterday, you know, we're not done with winter yet. And that's what scares we're me more only, than anything. I know, we're just barely in the second. We're just now going into the second week of January. And I'm ready for spring. I hate to say it, but I'm ready for spring after all that. Well, and hopefully that people, you know, that did put a little layer of mulch down. You know, I mean, I always tell people I like mulch for the aesthetic reasons, but it does another good job. It helps insulate the roots of these plants and Jim made the comment earlier that we don't know how much root damage has been done out there. So we don't. But we're the gonna have to wait and see. Plant your coal crop seed right now so that you can get them in in February, okay? So yeah. it's time to do some gardening indoors. Thank you. Jim. You're welcome. Thanks Kyle for Thank joining you. us. We will see y'all next Saturday in the garden. Oh, that was great.